Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in to episode 2. The relaunch of the show, of the 4th Line Voice here on the Hockey Podcast Network. It, uh, I hope everybody is staying, uh, safe and healthy out there. And, uh, on this Sunday, bringing you, opening the vault, so to speak, on, uh, on one of my older player interviews. I had mentioned in episode 1, every Wednesday you'll be getting a new episode from me. But on uh, every Sunday, um, for the next little while, as, as my player interviews go, um, I have about 20-some older player interviews, um, we're going to be opening the vault, so to speak, and uh, and because that was one of the... Uh, one of the things I wanted to do when I, when I got back, when I got on the network here, um, Isha and I had decided to, uh, I really wanted to get my old player interviews up because I felt I owed it to the guys as well. And also just being, I was just really proud of the product, um, and the interviews that, with the guys that I, and I wanted every, you know, I wanted them to be available for people. Um, so our, our idea was on Sundays, we'll kind of do a, a vault, open the vault type thing and, uh, we'll, put out one of my old interview player interviews so without uh so for the first one i said well you can't uh you can't beat this cat uh there wasn't too much tougher than uh than john nasty morasty so uh i recorded this with john about uh, mid-december so not too long ago and uh but john's the uh chief at the flying dust reserve in saskatchewan so he's a busy dude so uh we got him uh i think he was traveling to Metal Lake or something, but, uh, he was kind of, um, you know, he, but he was nice enough to take the time to, uh, and like I said, it was an in-depth interview, right? We taught, we start in junior, we, we go all the way through the minors to, to Russia. And we, like I said, we, uh, we, we leave every, uh, we turn over every stone and we talk about everything and, uh, you know, from legendary, uh, his opponents from Steve Bossy, Yablonsky to, Bugard and McIntyre, you name them, we talk about them. So uh, I think, like I said, it's uh, it was a really fun interview with John, and uh, and he gave some, he told some great stories. So uh, I wanted to make sure uh, his as well as everyone else's will. Uh, we will get up here on the network each each Sunday, and uh, you know, like I said, if uh, if you if you heard it before on the old on the old uh, website, uh, tune in. Maybe you missed something from before. And, uh, if not, this is new to you, uh, I think you're in for a real treat. But, uh, other than that, guys, um, I won't, I won't take up too much of your time yapping, but, um, <clears throat> like I said, there'll be a new episode. Episode three will be on Wednesday next week. And, uh, I hope everybody, uh, continues to, uh, tune in and, uh, subscribe and no matter whatever, uh, platform you uh listen to the show on we're on spotify itunes google play you name it you'll find it and uh on the hockey podcast network of course so if you could um if you're an itunes cat uh 
you know, if you could rate and review the show, it really helps me out. And I appreciate that. And, uh, in terms of, uh, where to find us and everything in the rankings and stuff, I don't know how all that stuff works, but, uh, rate and review the show if you could at the very least. And, uh, also check out my YouTube account, same, same voice or same name, fourth line voice on YouTube, about 2000 videos up there from all the different leagues, including John Rasty and many of his fights are on there. And, uh, as well on Twitter, if you happen to be uh, on Twitter, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, check it out. Drop me a line, say hello, and uh, you know I'm always on there sharing sharing old fight pictures and like I said, video clips and uh, and uh, we're always talking some nonsense on there. So uh, I please give me a follow and uh, and let me know if you listen to the show. If uh, you know thoughts go, I always said I'm hey suggestions, uh, you know thoughts and uh i i love hearing from you guys so uh yeah just drop me a line for sure and uh, i'd love to hear your take on the show but uh like i said without further ado let's get to john okay guys uh again have, i hope everybody's staying uh healthy and and safe and uh here we go enjoy enjoy my uh interview with john nasty morasty thanks guys all right, here on the fourth line voice, I got a special guest for everybody. Legendary enforcer, 12 year pro, 3,000 plus penalty minutes, 350 career fights, and above all, a fellow Sasky. John Nasty Morasty is on the line. John, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Dan. How are you doing? Excellent. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate you taking the time out to, uh, to talk to me today. Oh, definitely. It's always a pleasure. I'm looking forward to some of the, the stuff we're going to talk about. Well, like I said, we'll, uh, I was talking to you last night briefly, and uh, we'll kind of get a timeline your career, and we'll start at the beginning, and uh, we'll head all the way to Russia and uh, everywhere in between. Um, so you uh, grew up in Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan, and played in the uh, Saskatchewan minor hockey system, correct? Yeah, I did. You know, I, uh, I kind of moved around quite a bit when I was younger. I... Uh was up in the far north there in Govell, and then I was down in the south for a bit. I was in California, but uh, you know, my own base, my home community is fine. That's First Nation. It's just uh, about five minutes north northeast of Metal Lake, so it's uh, it's a place where they, they breed them pretty tough. There's a lot of tough guys that come out of Metal Lake. Absolutely, and uh, a lot. Of, I was going to ask you. A lot has been made. Um, growing up, were you uh, you were a boxer as well? Correct. Yeah, I was a Golden Gloves boxer. You know, I, I think I started boxing at the age of 12, and I, I boxed till I think I was about 18 years old is when I kind of had to quit because I was just too busy with uh, with hockey, you know, going, going into the SJHL and then working my way into the Western Hockey League, you know, kind of still trained as a boxer, but I didn't really get to compete. So, you know, it was always something that really kind of prepared me, I guess, for my career. Um, you know, I loved, uh, loved fighting and loved to get hit, so it, it kind of hand, it went hand in hand. Uh, you know, it was... It was that it really taught me how to train you know, more for fighting and, and, and just being to, to be really committed, I guess, and, and have uh, you know that dedication to a sport. Well, no, absolutely. And while well, we may as well get right into it, like you said, at uh, you know, uh, 17 years old, you roll into the SJHL and uh, you, you, you sign up and you're with the uh, Kindersley Clippers and you played uh, 42 games and 300 minutes of penalties and. Uh, and, and back then, the SJHL was no joke. There was tough dudes rolling around. How did you uh, How did you take to the role? And uh, what was your first year in the SJ like? It was pretty good, but it's actually kind of a funny story getting to the SJ. You know, I kind of I took the long route. I think my whole career was 
was, uh, you know, the longer way to get there, not just to get the rent and put there. But I actually was uh, 15 years old, and I was playing, playing uh, I think it was Bantam Hockey at the Metal Lake, the double eighteen year, and, and I'd get called up to play senior with the, the Metal Lake staff years. It was the old Wild Goose Hockey League. Yep. And, um, you know, I remember it was towards the end of the season, I, I got, you know, 15 years old, I was playing as all the men in the, in the Wild Goose League, and we played a home game against Kindersley Senior Clippers, and, I ended up uh, having this older guy kind of pick it on me, and he kept saying, you know, you're just a kid with a bubble. So I finally said, okay, well, what bubble? And I took my helmet off, and I ended up beating the shit out of this guy, center ice. And uh, it was kind of funny, because after the game, I got a knock on the, on the chest room door, and uh, one of the guys that was on that senior Christmas team was a scout for the Kindersley Clipper Junior team. So he said, you know, I like what you did out there. Would you be interested in coming to Kindersley? And, you know, me being a young kid, I didn't even really have my – my goal set on playing junior hockey at that time, and then I said, yeah, sure, I'll come, and, and you know, that's kind of how I got my foot into the SJHL, was, was actually playing senior hockey for the Metal Lake Staff Peters. Um, you know, at that time, they had guys like Link Gates was playing in the league, and, you know, there were some pretty tough points, so it was kind of fun to, 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 to find out that, you know, that's the way I went to the SJHL. Um, you know, once I got to the SJHL, you know, I went to camp, and I was actually joking with another guy, I was on a podcast here a few, two months ago, and I was laughing because I, I took my son, Tristan, who's now 16, and I took him to the Peterson Clippers camp. And I don't think there was one body check thrown there, so it kind of made me laugh because when I went, I think I fought 17 times in the one weekend, you know, just to, to make that team. So, uh, you know, the SJHL was obviously a lot of fun. I was a young guy and, and got to experience a lot of good things and, you know, still have guys in that team that are still good friends of mine. So, uh, you know, going from there was, was, was a great great opportunity and I took close advantage of it absolutely and uh, like I said that's where I first saw you and uh, yeah I know uh, you had your fair share of boats and uh, and uh, at that point did you uh, were you uh, would you get listed by Prince Albert or did you just uh, walk on no actually that's that's another funny story how I got put to Prince Albert uh, uh, one of the guys from the PA Raiders actually called a guy by the name of Corey McKee who was uh assistant coach in, in uh, North Battleford, Northford at the time, and you know, that was Kinnerson's big rival, so every time that I'd be playing Battleford, I'd be fighting those guys, and I was you know still really young at the time, and I was kind of beating those guys up, and they all they had some older guys that were pretty tough, and every time I'd skate off the ice, you know, Corey McKee would be chirping me, and I'd just wink at him and laugh, and, and uh, so I guess a, a guy had actually called Corey and said, you know, who's who's one of the tougher guys in the SJHL that's young that could come to the top, and you know, fortunately, Corey mentioned my name, and, you know, from there it was kind of uh, a set deal. You know, I, I went, went to PA with a, a mindset of making a team, and, and sure enough, you know, I made the PA Raiders that year, and, and that's kind of where I where I stepped foot into the WHL. Yeah, and at that time, 2000-2001, uh, uh, you know, the PA, I mean, you, you guys were... Uh, you know that was that was a loaded up team for you to walk on to. Uh, I mean, you had Riley Cote and Kyle Bruce and Grant McNeil and uh, Jordan Clark. I mean, uh, you guys could uh, could rumble with some teams. Well, actually, big Steve McIntyre was there at the, at the beginning too. He was actually my roommate, so him and I fought in in, uh, in the in the inner squad game, and that's kind of what set my set my uh, my position on the team was was fighting big Steve back and you know take the chance, but I think I got the better of him that time and. And uh, so you know, it was kind of fun going going back to our place house, and him and I were roommates, and and uh, so yeah, I got to leave with Big Steve Mack for the first month, and then he ended up. Uh, he was a twenty year old that year, so he was an overage player, and he ended up getting sent to I think Madison Hat or 
somewhere like that. But, you know, yeah, we had a really tough team. You know, Jordan Clark was a tough guy. Matt McNeil, like you, you named them all already. Those were all, you know, a great group of guys and a, and a really tough team. So, you know, I, I think my stint was not too long in Seattle because I was uh, eventually traded to the Tri-City Americans. Yeah, well, like I said, you played the 30 games in, uh, in PA, uh, and you got right into it, 19 tilts, and then, uh, off to Tri-Cities, uh, 37 games there and 18 tilts, so you were consistent. Um, yeah, in terms of, uh, it, tr- like, were you happy with the trade, or were you pissed off, or? Uh, you know, not, not at all. I mean, you always, you always take every opportunity is, is take, you know, take it for, for what it comes with, so, uh, it was awfully exciting, and, you know, um, in tri cities we had Al Tour, who's, uh, you know, an NHL guy that yep. fought quite a bit. So it kind of, you know, he kind of took me under his wing and, and you know, it was exciting that he brought me there to know that I was wanting to go to Tri-Cities. And, I mean, Tri-Cities was a beautiful place. But on the other hand, it was nice to be in PA because, you know, I grew up as a kid playing minor hockey, you know, watching the Saskatoon plays and the PA Raiders. So, um, you know, being PA is only like two and a half hours from my hometown. So, you know, that was the one downfall was, you know, going from being only two hours away from home to, you know, it's uh, a good two-day trip to get to Tri-City. So, um, but, you know, I took it and, and enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I'm still really good friends with a lot of guys in, in Tri-Cities and I'm still really close with my village there. So it was, uh, it was an awesome place to, to be. No, absolutely, and uh, well, I just want to throw some names at you because uh, kind of looking at your fight card. So you're uh, in in the Western Hockey League. Um, you, you, that year, you fought uh, uh, Big Derek Bugard uh, five times. Uh, what was it like fighting Boogie at that time? <laughs> uh, he was a big man. I won't lie, but you know, I was young and hungry at that time, and you know, I wanted to. If you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. So. Well, I fought him, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly every fight, but I did fight him quite a bit, and, um, you know, he he was a big man, and, 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 you know, he was tough as nails, and obviously he went on to be one of the toughest guys in the NHL, so, um, you know, he was always really, a really nice guy, I remember he to him all the time, and I remember even giving him tips, because he was so damn big, I remember thinking, shit, just a little guy like me should just stretch me out and give me a lick, and, you know, so it was always funny, but uh, he, he went on to be, uh, one of the, like I said, one of the toughest guys in professional hockey, and, and uh, it, was, it was an honor to be able to fight him. And, uh, you know, even further down the road, I fought his younger brother, Aaron, who was, you know, was, was not as tough as Derek, but obviously he did the role and played the role, so he, he got to have respect for him as well. So, you know, it's, it's a sad situation that happened to Derek, and, and you know, I, I, I feel for him and his family, but, uh, you know, he, 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 was, he was one of the toughest guys in hockey. Absolutely. Now, um... Now at that point, I mean, like, I mean, with him, it's it. I mean, there's big, and then there's just like ridiculous, like him. Um, what, like, in your mind, how did you approach like him and Mac and and like a Riley Emerson and guys like that? What was your strategy going into it, fighting someone that know, big? For me, I think it was having quick hands, you know, to be able to grab on and act like I'm going to throw right handed and be able, to, you know, they're going to string me out, obviously, because you know they got a good ten inches on me, so. Um, you know, to be able to switch to my left as quick as I can and start throwing and just beating with speed, really. Um, you know, those, uh, you know, games so I always found that I fought to my caliber. You know, if, if I was fighting guys like Derek Hoover or Steve McIntyre, you know, I knew that those were some big men and those, those were tough men. So, you know, you had to be bring your A game. And, and uh, you know, I just found that I always, I actually enjoyed fighting those bigger guys because it just seems like I, I was able to get on the inside and, and do well and, and uh, you know, it was always exciting to have that, you know, that that feeling that you, you, you could get knocked out and, 
getting knocked out in front of a lot of people, and it's pretty embarrassing, right? So you want to you want to bring your A game and and just and, and compete, and, and that's what I like to do is compete. So you know, fighting those guys, I think brought the best out of me as well. Oh no, absolutely! And uh, well, I'll just throw a couple other names at you from that from that day. Uh, there's a guy; uh, he never went on to play pro or anything, and uh, but man, he was he was. I've talked about him on this podcast before. He was such a badass, and he doesn't get mentioned very often. But I know you fought another guy. You fought five times was Matt Summerfeld. Yeah, Matt was a really tough farm boy. You know, grew up just he's actually not far from here either in Shelbrook, and yep, um, you know. Yeah, actually, funny story is that we were, when I was playing in the Quebec League, I remember, we, you know, Quebec's always looking for some guys to bring in, and I tried calling that, and, you know, trying to convince him, hey, come and, come and play beside me. I, I hated fighting. He just had a, he had a weird style. You know, he was a big, tall guy, but the way he fought, he was so low, and, I mean, he just knew how to get in there with guys, and, and I really struggled fighting him, but he, he, he did something well, and, and, you know, so when I called him to, to see if he'd come to Quebec, and I'll, he's already kind of fit, and I think he's a, He's farming nowadays in, in the Shellbrook, so it was kind of a uh, it didn't go, go, go the way we wanted to go. But yeah, he's a he's a guy that I remember fighting quite a bit in the West League, and then he was up, and he was actually drafted. If I'm correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. So you know, he never took that. I guess he just never wanted to. You know, maybe some. It's not for everybody to go and keep playing, and maybe he's had a future goals at home, so he, he ended up staying home. Yep. Yeah, but uh, I know he's. I always enjoyed Matt watching Matt play, and he was a tough dude. So I was. I always like throwing his name out there. He's one of those, uh, you know, one of those, sadly one of the forgotten guys that was a, you know, one of those junior tough guys that uh, you know never bothered to to go on, but he certainly could have for sure. Um, oh yeah, I have no, I have no doubt in my mind he would have been one of the top guys. He did his job really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, a name I want you that you would definitely have more run-ins with in the future. At this time, your first run-in with Derek Parker. <laughs> yeah, Daryl, Derek Parker. Yeah, he's he's another guy too. You know, he, he was a guy that you, I don't want to disrespect him. He was a guy that you were never scared he was going to hurt you, but he he just knew how to swing you, and you know, he, he had a, he had a good style that was really successful. You know, he. He'd go in there and he'd swing and he'd, he'd get you rotating and he'd almost just make you look stupid, you know. He, he's never a guy that I thought, oh shit, I'm going to get hurt tonight, but just more getting embarrassed, you know, because he, he, he was really strong in skate and he had a style that it was just hard to really to get in there. So, but him and I had a lot of fights, you know, Derek's another guy, he did really well and, and he, he got a, he was, you know, well traveled, he played in a lot of different leagues and, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I, I faced him a few times. Uh, been a couple of times I've asked him, we had some bench calls. I think he was a little bit of a clown once in a while with his juggling antics and stuff like that. But, you know, that's the LMH, and, and he was a fan favorite there, and he did really well. Well, it's funny you mentioned that was exact. I have that question written down. I was going to ask you about that. In that fuck in that LNH brawl, when he goes out to center ice and he's juggling the pucks. You about lose. It looks like you're about right, losing your mind trying to get at him. Uh, he just had that. I remember. I've talked to guys that played in that league and stuff, and it's just he just had a way of getting under your skin. They said. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that statement. You know, he was a guy that. I mean, because, like now I'll talk to him. I like the guy. Just back then, you hated him. Just, I don't know what a weapon he did too. He just he got under your skin. He was a good agitator. I mean, obviously he's doing something right if, if the other team's not liking you. So I mean, it, it worked, and and uh, it's all for him. And I know that he still he still gives her around. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, another name I wanted to throw at you, um, he was uh, 
playing with the Regina Pats at the time, and you guys had a couple really good toe-to-toe bouts, was David Kazoka. <laughs> he did some old names, eh? They, they go back, way back. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he, was an other, he was another really tough guy. I think I fought him a couple times. I'm not sure how many. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, he was tough, too. I remember that playing him. And, and he kind of fought similar to me. He'd just get in there and throw, and you know, he was a little bit bigger of a guy. So I'm not really sure where his career went after two years, though. I never really followed him, but I definitely remember his name, and, and I remember who he was. He, I think I had a few fights. I think once in China and probably once in PA with that with him, and yeah, well, I was going to ask you when we were talking about uh, fighting styles and stuff. I know I got a few folks out there with the they're really into the jerseys and everything. Um, did you do any jersey modifications? Not really, to be honest. You know, I, I there was one year I think I got bigger sleeves and stuff, but you know, the older I got in my career, I just wanted to be just kind of glow. You know, you hear about guys velcroing their their jerseys; they come up easier. And all that, and I, I don't think I really did much of that. Like I said, one year in Quebec, I think I, I had a goalie jersey instead of a regular jersey. But um, you know, for the most part, I didn't do I didn't do much. You know, I remember Steve Boss. He actually had a pretty smart idea. He used to have a tie down in the front of his jersey that would kind of hold down. Yeah, it was tight, so it was harder. It was kind of harder to grab. And I remember thinking, shit, that's a pretty good idea because you know that was one of my tricks was to grab a guy's front of his jersey, and you know, with all the uh, the Black jersey, I would use it as like an elastic, and I'd kind of you know use dirty jobs. You know, it worked really well. But when when Bossy had a jersey that was so tight in the front that was held down, I couldn't I couldn't really utilize that that tactic. So um, you know, you see guys with like I said, velcro straps and, and everything like that. So, um, but as far as me, I, I don't think I did that much to, to alter my jersey. Yeah. <clears throat> well. So the following uh, the following year after uh, Tri Cities, um, you end up uh, you, you kind of you start in Moose Jaw and then or Tri Cities, then you go to Moose Jaw and then uh, and then you're in the SJHL with Battleford and Flimflon. Um, were you, uh, you, you were you disappointed to leave Tri Cities? Um, no, I actually asked for a trade from Tri Cities because uh, at that time my my younger my, my my girlfriend at the time was pregnant with my first son Tristan. So I wanted to be closer to the home. Uh, you know, my girlfriend at the time was going to be having a baby, and I wanted to be somewhere close so I could, you know, at that age, you know, I was pretty young to be having a kid, but at the same time, I wanted to be there and not be so far away from home. So I actually requested that trade, and, and I ended up getting traded to Moose Jaw, and, and things just didn't work out the way I wanted it. And, you know, I was there, and I don't know. I just wasn't happy, so then I, you know, Battleford had owned my rights, I think, at that time, and so I called my my agent said, hey, I just want to go home and play. And I think I ended up working out some deal that I ended up in Battleford. I, I can't even remember it so long ago that I ended up going back to Battleford and playing. And I ended up playing, I think, my 20-year-old year in the XJHL. And uh, that's kind of that, you know, that's kind of what happened from leaving from the from the WHL back to the XJHL. But I wanted to be somewhere close to, close to home so I could be close to my son. And, and uh, you know, now now here I am watching him play hockey. Oh, absolutely, and I know uh, when you were in uh, in Battleford. I mean, you had a couple of good tilts there with Jason Goulet, and I mean, uh, you know, Jordan Roach was running around, and uh, you know, um, um, I know the following year in o two o three, you actually you were in Surrey for a little while. <laughs> that, that was that was the year. Yeah, that's the year when I when my son was actually already born, and, and I remember it was kind of weird because I. Originally went to was a, I think it was Moncton. There was a team in the SJH or in, in on the East Coast that was hosting the Royal Bank Cup that year. Okay. And 
they had called me and they said, well, hey, we're going to get you to come here and play. We're hosting the Royal Bank Cup and we want you on our team. And so I flew all the way. I think it was Amherst, maybe it was Amherst. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Amherst. So anyways, I flew all the way to the East Coast. And I remember I said, frick, I flew there for two days for nothing because they didn't own my rights. I guess the team in Surrey had picked up my rights. But this Amherst convinced me that, hey, we're going to host the Royal Bank Cup this year and we want you to come over here and play for us. You know, So I thought, that's a pretty cool opportunity. So I flew over there. And I think I was there for two days, and I think Surrey caught wind of it and, and said, hey, you can't, you're can't. you not going to be allowed to play there. So I ended up having to fly from Amherst all the way back to Surrey and uh, ended up playing in Surrey for a few games. But uh, it was kind of funny. Like I said, a, a coach that was in Surrey, I can't even remember his name. He ended up coaching me in, in Syracuse. Like, I was a fucking idiot. I, I didn't like him at all. Uh, Mark Hollick was his name. Um he, he was the coach in Surrey. When I got to Surrey, I, I fucking hated the guy. And I think I ended up playing in Surrey for a little bit. And then OCN ended up calling me and said, they'll give me a bunch of money. And like I said, at that time, my son was born and I could be close to my son and, and making, you know, good money. So I ended up leaving, leaving uh, Surrey and going to, to OCN that year. So my, my last year in the SJ or in June Ray was kind of a shit show. I was all over the place. So, but uh, yeah, funny story was, like I said, flying to Amherst for two days, you know, right on the, I think that's in, is it in New Brunswick? Yeah, and uh, it was it was, was short lived. I was there for two days, and they said, "No, you got to come back to from the East Coast right back to the West Coast," and and then ended up in OCN that last year, and and then uh, kind of funny story as well. I guess you're going to probably ask some questions, but I ended up uh, kind of quitting hockey after my after junior, and I was just going to go to university. So that's kind of that was my last year of junior. Yeah. Yeah, well, and like, yeah, before we leave Juju there, I mean, OCN, I mean, that's, uh, you know, you got Ryan Brahms there, and of course, Aaron Starr is scoring a million points, and uh, how how did you like OCN? Oh, it was good. You know, what attracted me over there was, well, obviously, number one was the money. They were, they were for junior 18, they were paying guys that need pretty big money to come play. Yeah. Um, one of my best friends, one of my best friends at the time played on that team, too, his name was Dylan Roshan. So I mean that was a huge a huge attract you know attractive thing for me to go there to you know play with one of my childhood friends. So um, I went there and, and it was pretty short lived there as well. Like I said, at that time I was kind of battling with having a son, so you know it was it was so hard to be be away from my son. So I, that's why I kind of dumped around and bounced around. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, you know, and having a young boy at, back at home was was really playing with my mind. So you know, and then. And then from there, the following year, I actually quit hockey and, and, and went to university. I enrolled at the University of Saskatchewan. You know, come fall time, I was just itching to play. And and uh, a guy by the name of Marty Raymond contacted me from the Bakersfield Connors in the East Coast Hockey League. And you know, they basically set up a deal where I could quit school and I they would pay for my they pay for whatever tuition that was going to be that I would lose out on, and, and I ended up going to the East Coast Hockey League. And that's where all the shit show began. Yeah, well, here and here we go. Yeah, so 2003, 2004, you roll into Bakersfield. You play 56 games, 358 minutes. You come out swinging with 33 tilts. What was your first impressions of Bakersfield? Uh, to be honest, you know, I was scared shitless. I mean, I was a, a young guy, and I, and I thought I was going to get my ass kicked. You know, I went to Bakersfield thinking, okay, well, I'm no longer an older guy. I'm, I'm a young kid going to play with all these men, and, and I'm going to get beat up, but I said, I'm going to fight everybody and anybody I don't really care. And, and to be honest, I don't think I really lost any fights that year. I mean, I'm not saying I won them all, but I didn't really have any clear losses. And, 
I think I fought a lot that year and, and fought everybody and anybody and you know guys like Josh Gott and Steve McIntyre. I mean the list goes on. It's those guys I fought that year. And it, was, it was tough. And you know, following that year, it was kind of cool because I actually got a phone call from Chicago Blackhawks, and you know they were interested in, in trying to bring me to camp. And, and you know, unfortunately, that's the year that 2004-2005 came around when they had the lockout, so kind of screwed screwed my my, my path to even going to an NHL camp that early into my career. Yeah, well, and like you said, you fought everybody that year at Bakersfield, and uh, I mean, you know, that's where you have your first, uh, first, and certainly not your last run in with Josh Gratton. And uh, man, you guys had some great fights. Yeah, yeah. Well, Josh is another guy fights like me. You know, I just love the swing yep. the fences, and I mean, and fuck, he hits hard and he's tough. I mean, he obviously had a, you know, had a, a stink in the NHL too, and he fought everybody and anybody. So. Um, and you know, most of his fights are pretty entertaining, so you knew when you were fighting him, it wasn't going to be an easy fight. You know, you were you were going to have to earn your pay that night. Yeah. Well, a name I want to throw at you, and you, I think you ended up in Sorrell with him later, but you fought him like three times, I think, that first year. Uh, was Stephanition. Adam Stephanition. Yeah, Adam. Yeah, you're bringing names in the guys that I forgot about. Yeah, but Adam was, he's another guy, you know, built more like me, not as tall, but pretty, you know, short and stocky and, and he was a tough guy too. I think he was a friend of mine, to be honest, that, that first year I played through. Yes, yes, he, he was. Know, but yeah, Adam, yeah, well, you're bringing guys up that I, I forgot about all these guys. Oh, like I told you last night, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, uh, yeah, I'm gonna be, we're going way back here. We're gonna, we're blowing some dust off here. Um, well. And another character that actually he fought just like you and was the same size and another legendary enforcer, and he was out in Long Beach, was Ken Tasker. <laughs> yeah, Ken Tasker, I remember. That's actually, I think my, my first game, or my second game maybe, uh, in the East Coast, my first like pro game was, I think, against Ken Tasker. And I remember, I have an older cousin by the name of Leon DeLorme that played in the lower minors, you know, quite a bit, and you know, he was, he was pretty tough. He fought all these guys, so yep. I remember as a kid watching Ken Tasker fight Leon Dorm, and I remember thinking, fuck, this guy's tough. And all I remember was being in warm-ups, and this fucking guy came up to the red line and come and said, I'm going to fucking kill you, kid. And I looked at him, and I stood up, I said, okay, well, let's fucking go then. And I dropped my stuff in warm-ups, but he wasn't fighting me in warm-ups. It was kind of funny. So, But I ended up fighting him, I think, my first or second shift that game, and I, I, could, I could honestly say I, I beat him up pretty good, so... Um, you know, but yeah, Kenny Tasker was kind of a guy that I, I always knew about, even as a young, younger kid, because I always watched him fight my older cousin Leon. And so it was kind of neat, you know, to, to finally say, "Well, I'm fighting guys that my older cousin was fighting now, and I'm doing good." So, and yeah, Kenny Tasker was, I think, one of the first guys that welcomed me into the pro hockey. Well, yeah, well, absolutely, and uh, I mean, why? And you fought McIntyre again down there, and. Uh, um... A name I wanted to throw at you, and I know you guys were friends and everything, and uh, you fought him that year, was the late Darcy Johnson. you have any stories about Darcy? Uh, uh, Darcy's not only my friend. I consider him my brother. You know, Darcy was uh, one of my best friends. And you yeah. know, at the time, towards the later part of my Quebec, my, my Quebec career, you know, I, was, I was one of the, the bigger dogs there making really good money, and I was treated really well. And, and Darcy was having a rough time, so I actually took Darcy under my wing and he lived with me and my wife, you know, she was with my wife at the time, but my girlfriend, Janessa, who's now my wife, but, uh, you know, Darcy's like family, and, and uh, you know, he, he uh, yeah, I, I kind of actually get touched when I talk about Darcy, because uh, I don't consider him a friend, I consider him family, and, and to this day, you know, actually, funny story that you bring Darcy up, is I just got a jersey from him at my doorstep today, and I had a guy reach out to me from Florida, and I just said, you know, I'm 
trying to get Darcy's boy bowl this jersey, and I can't get to it. He can't return to me. So I told him to send his jersey to me, and I'll make sure that Bo gets it because, you know, I think that's something special that Bo would like to have. So I'm not even really sure of the guy's name out from Florida, but if he arrived, if he's listening to this, I received the jersey. It's on my it's on my front doorstep this morning. So um, I'm going to make sure that Bo gets at it. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm going to always be here for Darcy's family, and, and uh, Corinne is... is um, you know, there's uh, Charity has uh, is, is, the, is the wife of Darcy, and and you know it was really bad news when I found out what happened. Also, you know I'm always going to miss Darcy, and Darcy Darcy's a legend. I always remember telling me, Johnny, do you remember when I beat you up? Because you know this is later towards my career when when I never got the opportunity to fight him. He said, you know I beat you up in, in, in our first year pro, and I always laughed. I don't think he beat me up, but he always did it, and. Uh, yeah, so Darcy is a one and only personator, I call him. I used to call him the baby face of fashion. And he was a, you know, a young boy. He always had a little smile on his face, a pretty boy. But fuck it, he, 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 he would knock guys out, you know. Yeah. I would consider him a heavyweight guy, but he, he, fuck, he, he put some beat on guys. I remember uh, Craig Brunel, uh, they were fighting, because Craig played for us at one point, and then, and then he got traded, I think, to Beck City. And I remember him and Darcy fighting. Darcy had one punch and just knocked Brunel right out, and I was just, you know, so I always call it Thirst, the one punch man. So, you know, he's he's now and now it's his young boy boy that's oh, sorry, Bold that's playing hockey and, and uh so I'm I'm looking forward to watching Bold play as he gets older. No, absolutely, and that's cool and uh yeah, that that's awesome. That guy set the jersey and everything. That's that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, Darcy man, he was uh he could bang. He's a hell of a hockey Darcy a good talent too. Yeah, he was, he was pretty skilled, yeah, and I always tease him when we go to Indian tournaments together. I, I'd always tell him I was better than him. He'd say, come on, kid, I talk to you, he'd always tell me. Darcy was like a big brother to me, to be honest. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, well, before we uh, leave Bakersfield, there's one name. I know you ran into him right towards the end of that season. And, of course, when you bring up minor league tough guys, his name gets thrown around, and he's sort of infamous, um, was, was Big Mike Segroy. Oh, Mike's a girl. Yeah, Mike, you know, Mike's a, he's quite the character. You know, he's, I love him. I love the guy. He's doing well for himself now. I ended up actually playing with him when yeah. uh, uh, he got called up to the Syracuse there when I was there on a PTO. And, you know, he's, he's, he's sure passionate about fighting and he's passionate about the game. You know, even to this day, he's, he's doing a lot of good work with youth that I would see on Facebook and stuff. So, um, yeah, I remember him. He was, a, he was, you know, quite a few. I think he was a bit older than me at that time. I was a young guy. And, Everyone was talking about Mike Segroy because I think at that point he had a couple games in the NHL and exhibition, anyways. And uh, you know he was a big guy that played the role really well. So I remember, of course, you know me at that time I wanted to fight everybody. So I, I ended up fighting there, and I think we had a pretty good, good fight at center ice. And uh, you know we ended up you know getting to see each other down the, down the path of our careers quite a bit. So it was a tough, tough man, and, and he's doing well for himself He's right now, and it's always good to see. Oh, absolutely. Well, like you said, the following year with the black, the lockout and everything, um, I know you were in uh, Norfolk camp, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the year that, like I said, the year of the lockout, uh, Norfolk ended up bringing the camp there, but at that time they were stacked with all the guys in the Blackhawks, so yeah. they uh, ended up saying, okay, well, we're going to trade for your rights and send you to Greenville because that was their ECHL kill you. You know, maybe a I don't know, maybe my career would have turned out differently if I would have stayed and did that system-wise, you know. But, you know, being a younger guy, I had a kid, kid back home. Um, yeah, from Quebec came calling, and, uh, you know, they, they actually offered me 
a hell of a lot more money than I was making in the East Coast Hockey League. So, um, might have been a mistake in my career to, to leave to the Quebec League at that time at that, such a young age. But that's been a, that's where I've got my foot in the door in the Quebec Senior League. Well, yeah, let's let's get into her. Like you said, you roll into Sorrell and the Mission there, and uh, you play twenty one games. And <laughs> did you know what? What was your? Did you know what was you to expect? And what were your initial thoughts of the LNAH? I don't know. I remember walking in. I, you know, I was a pretty big, solid kid. You know, at that time, I was probably you know, like I, I must have that's my part of my story. Is, you know, I was you know five ten maybe. 215 pounds. I was, you know, pretty solid younger guy. And all I remember is my first game we're playing in Laval, the House of Pain. And we got guys like Dean Mayer and, you know, we had some big boys. And, and I remember going in this dressing room and just, just you know, in the dressing room, you just feel the tension because I, I wasn't there, but I guess the previous game something bad happened. So, you know, there's guys taping their wrists up and putting nothing on their faces. I remember going, Holy fuck, how many of these guys are going to fight? Like, you know, usually, you know, in the East Coast, there's one or two of us that fight, but, you know, we had eight guys that were getting ready to go to war. And I remember, I could just feel the, the atmosphere. And we go into warm ups, and I remember thinking, fuck, the, the rink was packed. I mean, they're smaller, you know, senior looking rinks, but, I mean, there wasn't a place to sit down. It was packed, and you could just feel the tension. And all I remember was Big Patrick Ote, and, and uh, I think his name was uh, Ryan Pizak. And these boys were. These guys look like they belong in the WWF. I mean, these guys were 270 pounds. I remember them. we were doing a warm-up, you know, we were doing our horse or whatever. And I watched these two guys from the other cross the red line take their jerseys off, their shoulder pads off, and they have nothing on. They're just in their bare skin, and they got, you know, they're all vaseline up. And I remember going, holy fuck, what am I going to do? And, uh, you know, long story short, we ended up having, like, a 15-minute brawl. And uh, funny story is Patrick Cote ends up coming after me. And uh, I locked out that he swung, and he was so slippery that he slipped. And I hit him once, but I remember when he was on his knees, he was still as tall as me. And I remember going, holy fuck, what did I get myself into? So uh, that was always a great rivalry. And, and like I said, it was called Dallas of Bain for nothing. It was a close an atmosphere to, to, to always experience, that's for sure. Oh yeah, like you, just looking at the Sorrell roster, and I mean, like you said, you and like Darcy were there, and Jason Rushton, and Brunel, and Renard, and Mayrand, and uh, yeah. you know Jack Redlick, Corey Holland. I mean, Stephanition. I mean, you guys were ready to rumble. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, that, was, that was that was some tough hockey about that, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, Brad Lambert. How can I forget Lambert? Yeah. Yeah, one punch, Brad Lambert. Yeah. Yeah, how bad was that dude, man? That guy could. That guy put some beatings on people. Yeah, he had a couple of good years. That's for sure. I mean, he was he was tough. He, he knew how to throw, and he was a good man. And I know even even him, he's another guy that I still follow around, and he's, he's still doing quite well for himself. That was was a great thing to see. Well, one. Uh, Couple names I want to throw at you because you you had uh, quite the rivalry with them. Um, you ended up fighting. I think I counted like ten times in your career. Was uh, Manny Frechette? Yeah, Manny Frechette. That's the guy that you bring up. That's fucking tough as nails. You know, guy's not very big. You know, he's a he's a he's a health freak. Day. He doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, works out. Um, fuck, he's one of the toughest guys around. You know, he's fought you know Link Gates and all these big names. He's always done well. He's a marathon fighter. You know. Yep. You're gonna fight him. You better know you're gonna fight for a good two minutes. So, Manny Pichette, man, he he was a tough dude, and I, I always respected him. I said he's not the biggest guy out there, but fuck, but he, he, he you were in for him when you, when you grabbed onto him, and 
I don't know. He was a guy that I always found that I kind of figured his style out. So there was a lot of fights there where I, I got a lot of good opportunities on him. And, but I said, he, he just he could beat him up one night and he'd come back the next night and want to go again. And, and from what I hear, he was a true team player. You know, he, he, he was there to stick up for his teammates and that's the kind of guy he was one of your teams. So, um, yeah, he's a tough man. Oh, absolutely, and uh, and actually, and, and you ended up fighting again. You you, you seem to you, you find the legends, and they were uh, one of them was uh, Frank the Animal Biolois. <laughs> yeah, I remember looking at him, and uh, I'm not a I'm not a wrestling guy, but I remember it was I think it's the Undertaker or whatever. I yeah, the big hype was this guy coming in from from you know from the states to come play, and I think it was in Sherbrooke. And, yep. Uh, he said, Well, before we get there, another name I want to throw at you um, was, I didn't even realize you fought, I, I thought I saw all your fights, but I didn't even realize you fought them, um, was Serge Roberge. Yeah, I, I remember Serge Roberge. I remember him getting mad at me because he kept calling me a cheater. Because my jersey, I think my jersey came off or something, and he just was, uh, so, um, he, was, he was mad at me for some reason, and I just remember he didn't speak very good English, but all he was doing was calling me a cheater, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's. He's obviously, you know, now that I'm more knowledgeable for hockey fighting, I'm sure I know that he did pretty well in his fighting career and, 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 and won a lot of tough guys. So. Now, when you were playing, I mean, at that time, and I mean, um, we're, we're, um, as you went on, like you just said, you uh, as you got older and later on, were you, uh, were you ever, like, did you ever watch anybody on video or did you just, like, just give her shit and go for it or were you, or were you a video guy? Maybe a little bit later on in my career when I was, you know, more in the American League and stuff, and, and I really studied guys more. But, you know, at the first half of my career, you know, I just went out there and fought. I mean, you could prepare all you want for a fight, and, and you, you pretty much have to read and react. So, uh, but, yeah, I know I definitely like to watch the videos and, and see, you know, what to expect from guys. But, you know, there's a lot of guys that fight South Bar, you know, will open up or fight really defensively. So it's always nice to study your guys and, and kind of learn, but I, I didn't do that until later on in my career. Yeah. Um, well, I, I was going to, well, since we're talking about the Quebec League and the, and the circus and everything else, because <clears throat> I know you didn't do it, obviously, in, in junior, and actually, from watching you in Bakersfield, you really didn't do too much of it, but once you kind of got to the Quebec League, that's kind of really when you started becoming, like, a showman, you know, with the hand up in the air, trying to get the crowd into it or whatever. Did somebody tell you to do that, or did you just come up with it on your own? Where did that all come from? Actually, no, it was my, my very first fight at home in Bakersfield. I remember uh, the coach at that time, Marty Raymond was the assistant coach that first year, but his name was Paul Kelly. And I think I was kind of like a, a diamond in the rough, you could call it. And I ended up fighting, I forget who it was. It was we were playing the Alaska Aces, and I think it was Keith at Cambridge. He was their, he was, he was their captain. Yeah, was a really like I was just a, I was young I was twenty years old and you know a smaller guy and I fought this big captain and I beat the shit out of him 
But as I skated, as the whole time I was fighting, I was smiling, and I was kind of like, kind of, you know. And all I remember is when I came into the dressing room, uh, that Paul Kelly, they were all like shocked, right? Because I was nobody that came out of, you know, juniors. And I put this big show on, and I remember him calling me off. He said, kid, if you could continue to do that, you're going to make it somewhere in hockey. He said, you do that because people are going to love that. So I think that's, I, I don't even really know Paul Kelly that well, but I remember those words from him. He said, you know what, if you can do that night in and night out, you're going to be somebody in the hockey world because they said, that's just unbelievable. So uh, I think that's kind of what got me started in realizing that I wanted to make a name, you know. You know, and I'm, I'm honestly not a guy that likes to disrespect other tough guys or, or to be too cocky. But, you know, I, I always felt that fans were a big part of our game and a big part of our following. So, you know, I'd like to, you know, obviously piss the, the away fans off and also, you know, pump up the home fans. And, and you know, fighting, even to this day, I feel had a really big role in hockey in the outcome of hockey games. So, you know, there's times where, you know, just momentum shifts and, and intimidation helps, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I, I learned, you know, in juniors, I wasn't much of it. It was more when I got to the to the, to the level of pro and, and, and bigger fans and, you know, bigger crowds and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I guess, I guess you could call me a showman. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, cause up to, I mean, I'd always, uh, and all the fights, I mean, I, there was always guys would do stuff, you know, Domi with the belt and, and all that shit when the fights were over. But I know, I, I was thinking back and it's like, man, I don't remember too many guys doing it in the middle of the fight, you know, so it was, uh, it was unique, it was, to say the least, anyway. I think that was more of a mental thing too. I remember fighting a couple guys, and I, and I remember I put my hands down and I let Duma hit me three or four times. And, yep. You know, that was an older guy, and now that I'm an older guy and I'm feeling the repercussions of my career, I think of what a fucking idiot I was. But, you know, back then it was fun because you could hit me as hard as you want, and I just smiled. I, I didn't care. You know, but uh, now, like I said, I have guys that send me the videos all the time. I'm like, fuck, what was I thinking? What an idiot. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's fun. I, and I, I was. I was pretty confident at that time with my chin, and, and you know I knew what, I didn't know what my limitations were. So you know I'd like to taunt guys, and you know I, I knew that guys hated it. They were hitting me as hard as they could, and I looked up and smile. I mean I think that was pretty intimidating, and, and it was kind of part of the mental aspect of the fight. So um, yeah, it was part of my part of my strategy, I guess. Well, and it's funny speaking of the mental. Um, uh, I I have interviewed Riley Emerson last week. And he told the story of when he first got called up with Rochester, and they were playing you. And uh, they said uh, the guy right before he went on the ice, first shift of the or first to warm up in the American Hockey League against Syracuse, the the guy on his team goes, "No, no, take, you got to make sure you take your bucket off, take your bucket off." So he goes, "So I'm like, okay, whatever." So he goes, "I take my bucket off and I step out the ice," and he goes, instantly, Morasti starts just screaming at me. You haven't earned the right to take your pocket off, uh, hit and everything, and then you ended up fighting twice that night. Um, yeah, well, he was—he was saying the veteran—the veteran knew that, and he just—he did it because he wanted to get a rise out of you. And Emerson didn't know any different. He was the pawn in this whole thing. <laughs> well, I think they taught him a lesson that night. Well, he said, yeah, you guys actually had, yeah, you fought twice that night. Well, and, uh, but I was going to ask you, like, in terms of, uh, you know, cruising center and, and, and yip, and I know, uh, when you were in Syracuse, I know, like, you and Dorset and Kanopka, I mean, you guys made a science out of doing that. Did, um, 
when did you when did you kind of were you always like that? Like even back in the SJ days, or did you kind of uh, when did that all start? A lot of that thing was I think getting knocked out. To be honest, you know we uh, <laughs> yeah. that was probably that was probably the best year of my hockey career was, was that year. I mean we were I think coming to Christmas time we were in dead last place. We were a shitty team, and uh, we went into Chicago who was in first place. And I remember Z calling me in, and he, you know and I was just a rookie at that time. The American League, and he goes, Charlie, we gotta fucking do something here. He said, This is you know we're we got we we're not doing something right. He goes, So just have my back up there, okay? So I remember we're playing Chicago in Chicago, and I mean Chicago had a pretty nice rink arena, and they filled the rink, and this is only the warm-ups, and we're we're doing our laps, and the next thing you know, he's chirping somebody at the red line, and you know, all I know is that for all that happened in warm-ups, and I remember I'm fighting some guy, and I think it was that Andre DeVoe or something, and I remember I'm fucking fighting a guy, but my foot, my skate, one of my skates stepped into someone's helmet, so I'm basically fighting on one foot, and, uh, I mean, it wasn't that bad of a brawl because I'm not, I'm used to a lot of the, the Quebec brawls where sh- shit happened, but it was just kind of more of a scuffle and warm up. So there were a couple fights. And I don't know how I didn't get kicked out of that game, but we ended up winning that game 5 nothing on the road against the first place team. And that's where our streak started. I mean, I think our streak was just recently broke, but we had, I think, 27 games in a row one. So that was just before Christmas that we started that. And all I remember is it was, uh, you know, we, we, we made some kind of stupid rules where, you know, cause like I said, talking with the helmets coming off the world, so Z said, told the guys, he said, if we win five games in a row, we'll let everybody get their helmets off for warm-ups. So, you know, sure enough, we won five games in a row. Everyone took their helmets off. And I remember he said, okay, if we win ten games in a row, what are we going to do next? So then we said, okay, well, everyone's going to go into warm-ups with no shoulder pads and no helmets. So, sure enough, we won ten games in a row. And the 11th game was played in Lake Erie. And that's, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, and that's right just a couple hours north of Columbus. So, of course, you know, we're affiliated at the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I remember Scott Hausman and all those guys, you know, the brass from the Blue Jackets are coming to watch us play. You know, we're a hot team. We're, we're one ten games in a row. And I remember Scott Hausman comes downstairs, and this is the general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And he calls me and Pennington off into the, into the office, and he says, if you guys fucking go out there with no helmets and no shoulder pads, you guys are both done. And I remember, I'm scared shit. I'm like, this is an NHL GM telling me that my career, you know, I'm not going to play again if I if we do this. And all of a sudden, and then and we walked out, I looked at Dean, I'm like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? And he just laughs, he goes, fuck it, Johnny, we're going out there with no helmets and no shoulder pads. And I remember somebody else said, we got guys like Derek Broussard, and, you know, they're 160 pounds soaking white. What happens if they get hurt? Those are our fucking franchise players, and... Sure enough, we go in the dressing room and we tell everybody, okay, everyone take their shoulder pads and their helmets off. So we, we went on, well, we, we disregarded the GM's uh, of the NHL's uh, instructions and we went out for rounds with no shoulder pads and no uh, no helmets. So I remember he was kind of shitting his pants up there, but we ended up still staying there and we, we went on to win, I think, 17 more games. And I think we had a record of 27 games straight. We ended up finishing in first place in our division from going from last place to first place. So uh, that was, like I said, that was a great group of guys. And we had, the, we were called the Nasty Boys. We had me, uh, Derek Barset, Tom Suspito, and uh, Ben Kanopka. So, but that was that was Kanopka's, uh, that was Kanopka's doing. I remember our first round of playoffs. We ended up playing the Manitoba Moose in Winnipeg. And uh, they had, I forget who, Cedric, some, some French kid. Wasn't very tough, but he thought he was tough. 
And I remember this kid had this big write-up in the paper that, you know, Syracuse was coming for the first round, and all we do is bully guys, and what are you, you going to do? And he said, well, uh, whoever tries to bully us, I'm going to fight them. That's what this kid said in the paper. So, you know, there's this big write-up of how he's, he's not intimidated by us or anything like that. So all I remember was he had the trainer bring that newspaper article to the bench train warm-ups. So... He goes to the blue, to the red line, to the middle line, and he takes this newspaper and starts reading it, and he's pointing that kid. He says, okay, well, Marashi is going to fight you first shift. And uh, long story short, that, that kid didn't see the ice the entire game, and we ended up sweeping him, I think, four games or nothing. And, uh, but, yeah, I remember he brought a newspaper onto the ice, and that was, that was kind of one of the funnier points of my career. <laughs> so. Tremendous, tremendous. Oh, I was a huge Zen and Kanopka fan, and uh, I was I always thought he kind of got the raw deal in the NHL. I always thought he should have played up there longer, because he was a hell of a talent. You know, you know, long story, too, about that. Another thing that might have screwed up my career, where I might have maybe had some games, you know, more games in the NHL, was that summer, after that year that we I, we lost in the Northern, uh, in the finals it was, to, to uh, who did we lose? I can't remember, but we made it, like, right to the finals. But that summer, I remember I was at my cabin in Toronto, and uh, I was outside, you know, it's July 4th, I, was, I think it was the 4th of July, and uh, I'm drinking out on the, on the lake and on, on, our, on our deck, because we have a you know, beach property there, and uh, my mom called and said, hey, John, someone called the house for the house for you, and I'm like, who the hell knows the number to our cabin house? So I go and ask her, and it's and Oscar, and, and she's like, Johnny, he goes, I just got a call from Tampa Bay. I'm signing with Tampa Bay, and I want you to come with me. And I'm thinking, fuck, you know, I don't want to. And, and already Syracuse had already offered me a contract. And Syracuse was always offering me a pretty high AHL deal. You know, but Tampa was going to offer me a, a two-way NHL-AHL deal. But on the AHL side, it wasn't very much. I'm thinking, well, fuck, I don't know if I'm going to play in Tampa. He said, no, you're gonna, you'll end up playing in Tampa with me for a while. They want... They want us to do what we did in Syracuse and Tampa. And I said, oh, fuck, well, that's kind of cool. But uh, I ended up declining, and I just went back to Syracuse because, you know, I was comfortable up there. But, you know, that might have been another opportunity where if I would have took that Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay deal, maybe I would have would have had more opportunity to see NHL games. You know? So um, it was funny. That's when, and, that's when, and sure enough, that's when Kenny went to Tampa and started fighting about it. To be honest, Kenny wasn't really excited. Like, when he played in Syracuse, he was our captain and, like, one of our – our first line center, so it was always kind of weird to see Zen and always fight on the fourth line in the NHL. But uh, sure enough, that's what he did. He went to Tampa, played in the fourth line, fought all the time. Who knows? I could have been beside him doing it with him once in a while. Yeah, it could have been. That would have been interesting. Yeah, down in T, down in Tampa, but. Uh... I know we're jumping around a bit here, but uh, I wanted to ask you. So you played uh, that first year in the Quebec League you're in January, and then uh, all of a sudden in February you show up in Danbury. Uh, what made you leave? And, uh, and, and, and well, and every, I mean, everybody's got Danbury stories. Uh, what were your, what made you leave? What was your impression of Danbury and the Gallant? Um, well, actually, what happened was, uh, um, I had fought Sebastian Sear and I got dropped and I fell and I hurt my ankle pretty bad. Yeah. And, uh, I remember I was kind of mad because of the medical system that they had in Quebec wasn't very good. I mean, these guys put this huge cast on me, and I was like, fuck, like, there was, it wasn't really professional like it was in the States, you know, where you'd have the top doctor seeing me and stuff. So I was kind of mad, so then, 
a buddy of mine at the time, Eric Demon, said, hey, I got a hold of these guys in gathering. They want you. And I said, well, do they know I'm injured? And they said, yeah, they don't care. Just come. So I ended up leaving Quebec, and I remember it was kind of scary because, you know, there's always the stories of the Hells Angels owning the team. And, you know, I was a guy that was pretty popular in Quebec at the time, but I was just unhappy with, like, medical attention I was getting. And stuff. So I ended up going to, to Danbury for the rest of that year. And it actually worked out well because as soon as I got to Danbury, they cut my cast off, and the doctor said, why the hell do you have a cast on? You shouldn't even have a cast on. You need to already start rehabbing this. So I was playing with him, like, three weeks, right? But the guys in Quebec were trying to keep a cast on me for like two months, and I'm like, you know, it wasn't, it didn't sound right. So, you know, and that's where I actually ended up being a good friend of mine, Brad Wingfield, you know. Yep. The guys, I actually, he hated me, and I hated him at the start, but, you know, they didn't say he's one of my best friends, and, you know, so it's, it's kind of funny, but Danbury, that's a whole other story. I mean, you know, you've obviously probably heard the stories about the mafia and, and you know, the shit show that we had there, but that was, that was an experience to, to, to not forget, and I, I loved it there. Yeah, well, I, like I said, I had Brad on the show last week, and uh, and he was telling some outrageous stories about uh, getting phone calls during the game, and you know, basically get almost like they're putting putting hits on guys and stuff, you know. And uh, but I mean, and I mean, you guys, what what a you know what a what a bunch of characters on that team. I mean, that year yet, you know, Roman Adur and Winger and uh, Winger and Hickey and Jared Burnett, and Stephen Pete stopped by, and by Lois and Wagner and. I mean, it just goes on and on. Yeah, that was, that was like I said, that, those weren't normal teams. Those were, those were overly stacked teams of tough guys. And, and uh, you know, sometimes it actually wasn't that fun because, you know, a guy like me that liked to fight, sometimes it was hard to fight a fight because we got six other guys that wanted to fight that night. So, uh, but we sure did intimidate teams. I know teams hated coming into Danbury to play us because, I mean, if you look at those guys, a lot of those guys, I wouldn't want to fight. And, no. And, you know, so... But uh, like I said, I'll throw just a couple names at you. I know you fought, and again, like I said, you always seem to find the legendary guys. Um, I mean, I know you fought the Rammer Bruce Ramsey there in Muskegon. Yeah, yeah, that was in Muskegon. Yeah, he was like, I, I don't, I didn't know much of, of, of Bruce Ramsey, that, you know, back then. But so obviously, he was a tough guy, and, and uh, I think I found him more at the later of his career. So I don't think he really wanted to fight that much. Um, no, it was interesting because I watched that fight last night, and actually, it's right at center ice. And you throw your helmet off, and he keeps his on, which is kind of odd. I'm surprised Bruce did that. Yeah, actually, I actually, I, I actually, I actually remember him telling me he had kids, so he didn't want to do take his helmet off. <laughs> so, I, and you know what? I don't blame him now. Now at the age I'm at, I say, "Fuck you, kid! You can take your helmet off. I'm leaving mine on." <laughs> so, I guess he, you know, it smarted me there. Well, there, well, there you go. But uh, another guy you ran into a big guy. Uh, was uh yeah and you had a couple of fights with him there in, in Flint was uh Curtis Tidball. Yeah Tidball I actually ran I ran through him a couple of times. You know, he was he was in uh, I think in the UHL he was Flint, Michigan, he was in I think I maybe fought him once or twice. And I think I had a few fights with him actually in the L and H too so Yeah. Um, you're bringing up a lot of a lot of names that I forgot about. Yeah. Oh yeah, well just uh, Jordan Fladell and uh Matt Goody and uh yeah, you, uh, Chris Shaw, you had a really good one with Shaw, I mean, that, uh, Nolan Brown, just throwing names at you here. Yeah, those, those are lots of guys, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's, there's lots of guys in there, but those, those names that you bring up, they're all, they're all tough guys, and shit, I don't remember half those fights, I'm gonna be honest, 
<laughs> well, well, I don't blame you. I mean, after about 400 and some fights, I mean, they'll probably, you know, it, it's pretty tough to remember some fight that happened, uh, you know, in uh, Richmond some 15 years ago. But uh, but the following year, 0506, um, you actually end up in uh, Lowell's camp, correct? Yeah, yeah, I went, I went, yeah, I went to Lowell. Um, again, I, I had a lot much memory there, to be honest, um, I don't remember how it went. <laughs> that's, what was that, 20, what was that, 15 years ago? I guess I'm trying to lose it now. Um, I, went from, I think I went from Danbury to Lowell, and I went back to Danbury, and that's when Danbury brought in another coach that I could stand, so I ended up going back to the back, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Paul Gillis. Yeah, yeah, that was the guy that would tell us, he'd tell us how to play, and what we're doing wrong, and kind of a... I, I Yeah, I mean, you only played the 11 games with Danbury, and uh, I always wanted to know, yeah, so that's, I was always wondering why you left there and went back to Sorrell. Yeah, but. I, I remember, I, I couldn't stand that Gillis. I think, you know, and, and uh, as far as I think I remember, he was an asshole, and I know that Finger, even Winger, and I still talk about him, and I know the guy was a dickhead, so I think that had a big thing of it, and then again, you know, money over socks, and I did that call me and threw some big money at me, so I didn't see him, and I go back for my second thing, and did it exactly... Yeah, uh, well, and like you said, Sorrell, you played the 28 games. You, you certainly, uh, you know, 38 tilts, you know, and you're back there. Ashley Langdon and Dandino and Mayrad and Hewitt and them. And uh, yeah. <coughs> one of the guys, you had mentioned him earlier, but uh, like I said, I looked it up. I think you fought him nine times, Was and he was in that league forever, was Jacques Dubé. Oh, Dubé. <laughs> yeah. Jacques Dubé. He was a... Uh... Fuck, that guy fought a lot, you know, and, and I, I think I had quite a few fights, and he, he's a legend in Quebec. Um, yep. So he was a big, big man, and from what I heard, I think I fought him more towards when he got better, because I, I heard that there was times where he, he could stand up, but man, the guy fought freaking, what, 80 times a year? Oh, yeah. And, uh, he was quite a showman, too, so I ended up having a few bouts with him, and, again, I spent so many fights, I don't remember him all, but I remember he used to... Taunt each other during the fights. He was a guy that I said, "Hey, come on, hit me!" And I let him hit me three or four times, and then I started doing it again. So, uh, yeah, I remember Jacques Dubé. Yeah, well, an interesting name that I wanted to ask you about, and he wasn't around for long. He got, you know, some off-ice issues, and uh, unfortunately, passed away now. But um, he was a big kid and tough. Was uh, Tyler Lawson? You remember fighting him? Uh, yeah, I, I, I. I vaguely remember fighting. He was a big kid, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Really big. 6'5". Yeah, he was in St. George. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't... I don't really... I, I remember, like, yeah, I remember I remember who he was, but I, I didn't know uh, much of him. I knew he got a lot of off-white trouble, so I think that might end his career early. And correct me if I'm wrong, Ellen, is he still around? What's that? Is he still around? Oh, he died. Yeah, I thought I heard that. I mean, I, like I said, I don't know him very well, but I think I heard that he might have passed away. You know what? Yeah, that's terrible, man. Yeah, it was an ATV accident or something. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, well, and then, of course, this is when you run into, um, your first time running into, uh, Steve Bosse when he was in Verdun. Um, what were your initial, uh, and I mean, you guys right from day one had some great tilts. What was your first, uh, impressions of fighting Bosse? Uh, he was a he was a tough kid. I mean, he was and he, he really improved. I remember the first time I fought him. I, I he, he wasn't as good as he got towards the end of his to the end of his career. But uh, I mean, the guy hit like a truck. Obviously, I mean, people know and they see my videos. Um, but this is a this is a, a prime example of where where styles make fights. You know, um, everyone always asking, well, who's the toughest guy he ever fought? And they always want to say Steve Bosse because you know he is the guy that knocked me out a few times and. And, uh, and don't get me wrong, he is tough as nails, but, I mean, there, there were guys that I think I fought that were, were a lot tougher, but against style make fights, and, and I was so arrogant, and, not, not arrogant, but what's the word, um, I really always wanted to fight open them, where if I would have changed it up and maybe used more of the technical aspect of it, I probably would have not lost as many times as I did to him. Um, but, but, but what do you say? I mean, the guy's tough as nails, fought in the UFC, um, fucking knocked me out quite a few times. <laughs> and to be honest, none of them hurt because I never remember what it felt like, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we've had some pretty epic battles, you know. And, um, there was one time I was pretty mad at him. He kind of, one of the fights where I got knocked out, he kind of cheap shot in there. I had a broken hand and I told him I can't fight. My hand was broken. And I said I couldn't fight. And fuck, as soon as the buck dropped, he threw his gloves off and, and he he taught me pretty good, and that that was the one time that I kind of had a crush against Steve because uh, you know he just don't do that. But again, you know, I was back in the day, and and uh, you know, he's a good man, and I, I actually still talk to him this day. And, and yeah, he's fucking tough. I mean, he, he hit like a shit brick house, and he trains, and he I mean, he, he he was the real deal when it came to fighting. Yeah, well, yeah, because I always wanted to ask you that with the, uh, was there, like, the, I mean, with the rivalry and everything, was the animosity there, like, was the hatred there for him, or was it just, you know, mutual respect, or? No, I'd say back then there was hatred, I mean, I found that he played a lot of mental games, too, like, you know, they would, we'd be going to St. John, and, and, you know, we always had a mutual friend, and they'd say, oh, yeah, Steve's not playing tonight, and, you know, then you just kind of think, okay, well, I'm not going to fight him tonight. And next thing you know, he's fucking dressed in it. Oh, he's fucking him. You know, so there's a lot of mental side of it. Back then, I think there was a lot of hatred. But now it's pure respect. I mean, the guy's fucking tough as nails, and I'm not going to deny that. And, you know, fucking, <laughs> what, can, what can I say, man? He's the boss, man. He's the boss, man. Boxing. Yeah. He's like a tank, and, and him and I had our, we had a rival, and, and uh, you know, I have the utmost respect for that guy to do what he did in hockey, and to come out of nowhere either, right? He never played in any organized hockey, and to do, you know, if I if I could take, you know, to fight the toughest guys in hockey, I would. I don't want him being there and Brad Winfield on my all in my team. <laughs> oh, absolutely! And uh, it was interesting yeah, in the and main. Not, and not to take the toughest in the NHL too, you know. I, I think those guys have a lot of guys in NHL. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was uh, it was interesting when I had Dean on the show and we were talking, and we actually were talking about that fight or your fights with Steve, and uh, and and Dean was really breaking it down. And he said, he goes, I think the problem was, is he goes, you know, because he goes, you see John, he goes, when the guys were punching before, he goes, he could kind of slip them, but he goes, Bossy was just the right size and threw that exact punch where it would just sort of yeah. it, it would catch him every time. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I said. That's where style makes fights. Right? Yep. There was a couple fights. There was a couple fights where I, where I got a fight here and there too. So, um, I mean, there goes were epic fights. And to this day, that was those 12, 13 years ago, and, and people still talk about those fights. So it's it's pretty pretty cool. And, you know, I think it'll go down in history to be some of the some of the better fights. Oh, absolutely, and I, I'm, I've been on podcast, I've ever tell it, I've, everybody, in all the fights I've ever seen, everything else, I always say, Morasti and Bossy, I said, those were some of the most, definitely the most vicious fights I've ever seen, and, uh... Oh, they, they, they hurt, I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, well, looking back now, and I, I think you kind of mentioned it, but if you could go back now, if you could talk to yourself now, or back then, would you have fought him different? Like, would you have, because I actually, I believe when I met you, I, we had this discussion in the airport here, when I met you, we were talking about these fights, I remember asking you, because most of the time you'd kind of like, you know, you'd move the guy around and you switch hands and whatever, but with Boss, it just seemed like you just planted your skates and went for it. Would you change that yeah. now? So, so why is me now would say yes, I've changed and I would have been, because I've been obviously a lot stronger skater and stronger, you know, yeah. feet on the ice. And I would have should have played more technical, technical with them, but uh, the, the real me would probably say, "Fuck that! I'm going to go open with them again, and I'll, you know, let the, the best man win." So I, I don't know. Like I said, the, the older, more mature me would say, "No, I'm going to play them technical and, and make sure I get the win." But but the, the true me would say, "No, fuck that! I'm going to beat them toe to toe." I mean, I, so I I don't know. I can't really answer that because I don't know the answer. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I was just always wondering that because I remember having that discussion with Eric. Actually, I'm like, why doesn't John move instead of just planting his feet there? But because uh, he's a better skater. Uh, to, be a, to be a smart guy, I'd say yeah. I, I, if I did it again and I wanted to get the win, I probably would have been more tactical, more grappling, more moving, more you know what. But but I'm so proud of the way I fight. You know, it's, a, it's a pride thing. I guess I just said, "Fuck it, I'm going to go and let's go and." I mean, it works sometimes, but it don't. Unfortunately, boxing that style, uh, I might have got the latter end of it. Well, I mean, that year, the, the 06, 07 year, when you guys had the big, when he was in St. John and the big rivalry, that whole year, I mean, like even Dean was saying, he was like, John just, he you fought so much, and it was so, uh, and I know that was the year I think Dean was uh, was hurt and a lot, and he was really, yeah. I remember him commenting, he was really mad about that because he couldn't help you, because he goes, you were just yeah. left to fight everyone. And it was just like, I'm looking at the list of guys, and it's just, like, ridiculous. But one of the names on here um, is the first time you fought him that year, and, and you went on to, you'd went on you go on to have legendary fights with him, was Joel uh, Thero. Thero. Yeah, the animal. The yeah, animal. He's, he's a better animal. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the one guy that I would say, when guys say, uh, you know, and I'll be honest, I'm not trying to be cocky, but guys always say, was I scared of anybody? And I can honestly say, no, I wasn't scared of anybody. But if I was to be scared of one guy, it was Joel Fitterio because fuck what he mean. I mean, he didn't know what he was going to do. He'd look you and his eyes would be fucking red. And, I mean, he, he scared the shit out of me, to be honest. But uh, don't get me wrong, I'll fight him every time. But uh, if there was a guy that scared me in hockey, it was, it was Joel Fitterio because fuck what he mean. And he could fight. I mean, he threw both hands well. He could take a punch. He could get a punch. So, um He's, he's a guy that I that, that I guess you could say puts fear into me even once in a while. Well, yeah, like I mean, well, just le- like you said, legendary tough guy, and I mean, he fought everybody, and uh, yeah, just uh, and I mean, you guys had some great tilts, but uh, 
Yeah, another guy that you fought for the first time that year, and you ended up fighting him a few times. Um, and I, uh, well, Brad Wingfeld let let his uh, opinion be known, that's for sure. But uh, you, Sean McMorrow. Let me, oh, you said it too fast. I was going to say, let me guess. Sean McMorrow. Um, yeah, I fought Sean quite a few times. Uh, too. I mean, he's same thing. He's a, he's a showman, and he's good at what he does, and very technical. Um, I know Brad, Brad did care for him very much, but, I mean, you ought to respect what the guy did. He's fucking tight to anybody, anybody and everybody. He's really passionate about it. You know, one thing that I really respect about, about uh, Sean is um, he, he has a lot to do with the fans, right? He interacts with the fans, and, and that's what I think we're going to respect most of what that guy is. It's just, just how much he cares about the game and, and, and for the people that watch him and follow him and... and He's a, he's a tough guy to share if they fall, right? Absolutely. Actually, he, he re-signed. He's back in the league. He went back. He's playing this year. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. My advice to him is hang him up now, bro. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Well, Bra- Brashear re-signed. Brashear's in Tetford again. Oh, Wow. Yeah, so I'm like, it's the 47 years old. I don't know, man. It's, I mean, I know the league's a lot different than it used to be, but still, 47. I don't know, but uh, yeah, exactly. Well, if he wants to do it, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, I think you could just do it to play hockey too. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, you know, we can never judge what they they do. It's their decision, and maybe there's other reasons behind. Who knows? Absolutely. Um, well, another guy I wanted to throw, another legendary tough guy, was uh, Sugar Sugden. Brandon Sugden. I know you had a couple battles with him. Yeah, Brandon Sugden. And he's, he's a big reason why I got to the American League, you know. Yeah. Um, he was really close. He was really close with Howard Tolman, who was the owner of, of Syracuse. And, and uh, you know, obviously, Brandon's a lot older than I am. And, uh, you know, Howard called it, hey, is there anybody that can come play in the American and get good enough to play? That's tough, and, and, and Sugden actually recommended me. So, you know, that was the way I got to the, the American hockey. He was through Brandon Sugden, so... But yeah, you know he's he's famous for being sugar. You know he's, he's a tough guy and and you know he's technical, but he's got lots of power. And and uh, I think I fought him like was it two times. I, I I know I fought him once for sure. Uh, might have been a couple more times. But yeah, he's he's another guy that's good at what he does. And and uh, you know he's he's another another guy that I'm proud of to have under my my fight card. You know he's one of the toughest guys there too. I know his previous years in Syracuse. You know. They were going to competition because I became pretty popular in Syracuse. You know, I think I played about the same amount of time as him there. And, so they're always comparing between him and I, who is tougher or who is more popular and all that. So, but, uh, you know, Sugar, Sugar is, a, is a great guy. And, and uh, you know, just to be able to fight him with an honor. Yeah, well, and then that, that next year, like you said, you end up in Syracuse. Um the, you know, with the big year, and we, you know, we just talked about it with uh, Dorsett and uh, Kanopka and everything. Overall, what... Um, what are your, what are your experiences with uh, uh, Sir, with Syracuse? Oh, it was it was awesome. I mean, you know, I became a fan favorite. The fans really accepted uh, me there, and, and I mean, what do I say? That's the that's the place where I played hockey at the longest for for you know a duration of the time. So it's kind of my home away from home. I still have basically friends that became family there. You know, guys like Anthony Lamarcky. I know he's. Uh, a good friend of mine, and, and I still go back there, you know, annually to visit, and I still talk to a lot of people there, and, you know, the, the organization's first class, you know, Howard Golden, the owner, and Jim Strauss, the president, you know, those guys, you know, they'll do anything for me. I can call them up right now and say, hey, I need some jerseys, and they'll, they'll send them, you know, vice versa, you know, they're there for promotion, I'll, I'll be on a plane the next day, so, 
Um, you know, I, I feel that they treated me awesome, and uh, I'm forever grateful to, to, to be a part of that organization. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're doing great things there even now. You know, they've, they're always reaching for something better. You know, uh, we I think it was the first or second year that I was there, we had the outdoor game. Um, yep. It was the second year we were there. You know, and then you know, a few years after that, I was there. And they ended up having a game in the in the Carrier Dome. You know, trying to always trying to always do something else. So, um, you know, they're they're great at, at motivating each other, and and I think it's a great organization. I can't really say anything bad about the place. Well, and like you said, you step out, you're in the American Hockey League, and, and, and the names are just, you know, you like you said, you go through the fight card, and it's unbelievable, and I'll just throw some names. And this is when you first run into uh, Trevor Gillies. Yeah, Gillies, he's a, he's a tough man. He's, I'm not going to lie, he's, uh, he's a guy that, you know, you're going to fight him, you're going to war, and, you know, he's a southpaw. So uh, him and I, him and I, we, we fight quite a bit in the American League, and, and uh, yeah, I know he's... He was one of the tougher guys in that league at that time, and he did really well for himself. And he's another guy that played great, you know, right till his older older years there. And he what he did just retire a couple of years ago. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, and then of course you have your 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 infamous battles with Jeremy Yablonski. <laughs> my my own my hometown buddy, Jeremy. Yeah, I mean that was always kind of that was always kind of cool to fight him because you know there's a lot on the line. I grew up; he's a few years older than I am, so I always grew up looking up to him. You know, he was a tough guy that you know got his his, his case in the NHL, and he was always a he was always a really known to be a really tough guy at everything he played in. So you know, to be able to go up and actually fight him was always pretty cool. Um, you know, but from him and I being from the same town, you know, there's always that 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 bragging rights that you want to do good. So um, you know, we always had some pretty good fights, and to be honest, I think with all those fights. It was pretty hard to declare a winner because we, we were both going, and you know, I don't ever think I lost one of those fights. But I don't ever say I won one of those fights, and I don't know. I mean, I'll leave that to people to judge. But uh, yeah, I mean, Yabo's a big, strong man, and, and uh, loves what he does, and, and he's a guy that trains his ass off to get where he's been, and, and uh, you know, he's a, he's a longtime friend, and, and uh, I'm happy for him. No, absolutely. Well, and then it was funny because this next guy, again, minor league legend, but he was on Spittin' Chiglets, and him and Paul, well, of course he fought Paul Bissonette a bunch of times, old Biz there, and uh, but they had Dennis Bonvi on, and they were talking about yeah. you. Uh, what was it like playing Bonvi? And uh, cause, I mean, he liked to do the little mind games and the mental stuff too. And uh, you two, you actually, you remind me of him, you know, with the size and just the way you kind of did things. Uh, what was Dennis? What was playing against Dennis like and fighting Dennis? Oh my God, was a legend! I mean, he, yep. he uh, was well known in the fight world, and he fought some of the toughest guys that have played pro hockey. Um, but yeah, he, he was a mind guy. I remember. Uh, the first game, I remember he was going. He, always, he had something. He didn't like Tom Speedo, so he was always after Tom. And of course, I'm you know I'm, I'm supposed to be kind of protecting Tom at that time. And uh, but he, he he always played games and warm ups. I mean you know, and uh, I still remember one game. He wouldn't fight, and I kept asking him to fight. He said no, and he told me, he goes, "I'll tell you what. If you hit somebody hard and hurt them, I'll fight you." So luckily that ship, I think it was, I think it was Paul Bissonnette that I ended up crushing and I laid him out. And sure enough, who come behind me and grabbed me was, was, uh, was Bonavie. So, um, uh, he was a man of his word, but, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was a very technical fighter. I mean, he wasn't the biggest guy out there, but he did well. And, and he was, he was a tough guy to fight. I actually didn't really like fighting him because he was really technical and, you know, kind of more of a chess game to fight him than it was a, 
just a swinging battle. Yeah. Do you remember any of your fights with Biz? With old Biz Nasty? Other than him stealing, they're stealing your nickname. Uh, you remember fighting Biz and oh, at all? The fuck? I'm the real nasty, not a bad guy. <laughs> I know. You stole your nickname. Uh, yeah, but, um, um, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I, I think I fought him a few times. He wasn't... He, he, I guess... You know, I don't really remember. I remember there was one time where I... I remember I was mad. I had fucking hit his nose pretty good, and he was bleeding, but we were still standing, and fuck, he was calling for the refs. I'm like, oh, fuck, you're tight, man. Let us go. And, but, I mean, I don't really remember fighting that much, to be honest. But to see the success that he has now after hockey is what impresses me. I mean, he's done unbelievable for himself. I mean, he's, he's 10 times more popular now than he was when he played hockey, you know, and, and that's great to see. I love seeing guys being successful after the game of hockey. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and of course, the, the podcast, and, uh, you know, he's doing the Arizona Coyotes games, and yeah, old Biz, he's all over the place. Yeah, he really definitely That's made a name, not, for, name for himself. Yeah, I'm not much, I'm not much of a guy on, on podcasts or, you know, all this stuff at all. You know, every day I have all my buddies or hockey guys texting me or calling me, hey, did you hear Biznaski call you out tonight, or, you know, he's, you know, so I, I've actually never listened to Spin Chicklets, but um, it's, it's pretty neat to see that, you know, that he's doing that, and and like I said, I have the utmost respect for the guy, and, you know, so that's, that's awesome that he's doing great. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, the episode with him at Bonby, it wasn't, uh, you know, they, you know, they they were just saying how, like, you know, how crazy you were and everything. They, you know, they didn't knock you or anything. They were just like, oh, he was always yelling and ready to roll and you just wanted to fight. And, you know, oh, yeah, they were just, but they were both sharing their experiences fighting you anyway. It was a pretty funny episode. But, um, the, uh, the following year, you're uh, in Columbus Blue Jacket camp and you uh, suit up against uh, a home and home against Nashville. Um, like, how big of a thrill is that to put on an NHL uniform? Uh, preseason or not, you're putting an NHL uniform on and playing in an NHL game. How big of a thrill is that? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, especially with considering the path I took, right? You know, exactly. I, I, was a guy that had to play, I had to play in each, you know, I played SJHL, I played, you know, East Coast Hockey League, I was in the UHL, I even had to go to the Quebec Senior League. So, I mean, to do it the way I did it, I mean, it was pretty special. Even though it was only, only preseason, you know, it was pretty. Pretty emotional just to be able to get there after all that. And I mean, fuck, by that time, I probably fought 200 times already. So, you know, it's like, wow, I finally got a chance to get here. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. But I got a, a really funny story. My first ever game in the NHL, I wasn't supposed to play. Um, I remember they, they had posted the lineup. We were playing Nashville in Columbus. And uh, I remember looking up, and, and I wasn't on the roster. It was like me, and I think it was Derek Broussard. A couple, a couple of the younger guys weren't going to play that night. So, you know, we had to do, you know, after the pregame skate, we had to stay and get bag skated, and then we had to do a workout with the trainer. And, uh, and then, you know, after we were done, we, were, we didn't have to get the rink till probably 6 o'clock because we already did our workout. And so I told those young guys, let's go across the street, let's go have a beer and have lunch, right? So all I remember is we walked across, you know, we're downtown Columbus, you know, where the rink is there. It's, it's, it's a really beautiful area, and there's a bunch of bars and stuff across the street. And uh, so we're sitting in this bar, and I remember these guys, you know, started them weren't even old enough to have a have a drink yet. I don't think. I think they're still like nineteen, twenty. And we're uh, we're sitting in the bar, and we're ordering lunch. And I remember, you know, I've already had probably three or four rums, and uh, all of a sudden, Ken Hitchcock and a bunch of the assistant coaches walk in, and all those young guys put all their drinks in front of me because I'm the only guy that's old enough to be drinking in there. And I just remember they walked by in a, in a 
uh, Ross Gates looks at me as one of the assistant coaches at the time, and he just shakes his head and says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm not playing tonight. I don't know. I'm just having lunch and a drink. And uh, so whatever, they just kind of laughed and walked by and went sat at the back, and they must have been having their little coaches meeting there and over lunch. And then a fight broke out on the it's a sports bar, so then a fight broke out on you know on TV. It was on the we were on the you know they were playing replays or whatever. So there's a fight that was on the on the, on the TV. So about five minutes later, I come and get a tap on my shoulder, and it's, it's the assistant coach. He goes, he said Hitchcock wants to talk to you. How many you know let's go talk to him? So I had to walk, and I was scared, right? Because I'm sitting in the bar drinking on a game day. I'm not supposed to be playing, mind you. So I go back and I see Hitchcock, and I sit down, and he goes, how many drinks do you have? And I said, you know, three or four. And so, how do you feel? And I said, oh, I feel good. He said, are you ready to play? And I said, no. He says, okay, well, you're going to play tonight. <laughs> so, you know, it's 3.30 in the afternoon, and I'm, I'm in the bar drinking, and, and you know, next thing you know, I said, get, get, to, get, to the, get to your place and get some sleep, and then be back at the rink at 5.30. So, fuck, I was so, I mean, maybe it helped me because it kind of, you know, got the butterflies out of me, but I had to go sleep at the hotel for a couple hours and get back, and, you know, sure enough, First shift, he said, oh, Grattan's out there. Go get him. So that's how I had my first fight with Grattan. I was actually at the bar drinking. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Like you did. I'll tell you, you didn't fool around in that fight. You uh, you took it to him pretty quick in that fight. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, anyway, I mean, like I said, Josh was always a guy that, that uh, was tough. He didn't even want to war with him. And, and so I, 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 I had my hands full, but I think I had a little bit of momentum and maybe a little bit of wish to get help me out. I don't know. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, that always helps. But, uh, yeah, again, you so you're back in Syracuse, another, you know, strong year. I mean, you know, you fight, uh, like it was, I was talking about Emerson before, and you ended up with Sean McMorrow and, and Gillies again and Yabo and Little Boogie and all them. And uh, But, um, well, and John Scott, there's another big man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big guy. I I think he gets too much praise for him. I, I didn't find him very tough. I mean, I don't mean to disrespect him. But I, I think I only had one or two fights with him when he was. He was a big. He was a big man, but fuck, for that big. I wish I was that big. I would have fucking killed guys. <laughs> I should say that. I, I don't know, but uh, he, he was a big man. That's for sure. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and uh, well, another guy I know you fought in Hershey. I think you got the. You kind of put the put him down a little bit. Was uh, Kip Brennan. Um, yeah, and I actually, ended up, I, I ended up playing with Kip back in, in Russia a yep. couple years later, which was kind of neat. Great guy, great team guy, and uh, yeah, he's, he was a tough man. But yeah, I, you know, when somebody lose him, I might have got lucky there, but I think I kept him and, and put him down. But it, it happens, man. Yeah. You can't win them all. And, no, and, no. Uh, oh, any guy, any, any guy that says he's won all his fights, I can tell you right now, he's full of shit. And uh, and then, like, what you lost, he said, I seen there a little stat he had said somewhere, he said, look, if you're not losing fights, you're not uh, you're not picking, you're not fighting the right guys. Exactly. No, it's funny. I, I I was just about to say that. Yeah, the old uh, Yabo quote. I've used that a few times on here. No, for sure. That, 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 that's it. on there, you know. Because there's there's guys out there that would always pick fights, you know, with the guys that they knew they were always going to beat. But you know, but, but Jeremy said it best. If you're not you're not fighting the right guys, if you're not losing. Yeah. Well, the the following year. Um, well, I was going to ask you when, when, um, when did you, uh, like Columbus, did they not, they didn't invite you to camp the next year, did they? No, 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 no. What happened with, with that, and that's it. When, when we were talking about Syracuse, when I said I have nothing bad to say, I guess I have one bad thing to say, um, and, and I know that they know it was a mistake too, was, uh, 
they ended up signing an affiliation when Columbus moved on. They they broke up their uh, affiliate agreement. Um, Syracuse signed a short term agreement with the Anaheim Ducks. Yes. And uh, right from the time that the Anaheim Ducks signed on, um, that was a, that was my that was my graveyard for for Syracuse because uh, you know they were all going oh I was promised to go to the Anaheim Ducks camp you know I was promised the world and. Uh, that's where, when we were talking way back before an hour ago, we were talking about Surrey, B.C., when I had that coach, Mark Hollick. Yeah. Uh, so Anaheim came in to do be a new affiliate, hired a new coach, knew everything. The only guy they kept on from the old club was myself, you know, because I was a fan favorite. You know, they paid me really good money on the American, like, American League side of it. And uh, But right from the start, I remember I got called into this office. You know, I'm the only returning player. And I walk into the coach's office, and there's this scumbag named Mark Harlick. His feet on the desk, his hair's all messy, he was out of seat. And, you know, this is my first meeting with, with the coach, and he says, uh, he says, uh, just let you know, I'm running things around here. And I remember going, like, yeah, of course you're going to Who the fuck is this guy? And, I, and they had it open right to start. They didn't like the popularity that I had in the city. So, I mean, that, that was that was my that was my ending point in Syracuse because, uh, you know, they'd scratch me for five games in a row, then they put me out there, then they'd scratch me again, and then uh, they didn't like it. And I even actually, to this day, still have emails from the GM of, uh, of Anaheim. I don't know if he's still in Anaheim, though, but they were basically mad because of the popularity that I had in the city, and they felt that that popularity should be going to their younger guys that were star players. Um, so that year was kind of a big, a big shit show. I mean, they sent me to... Elmira, and then Elmira. I just, I was mad too. I mean, I took it pretty bad, and I just told Elmira, I said, oh, I'm not going to fight for you guys, man. And it was kind of funny, because I think my first game in Elmira, I scored a goal, and, you know, and then he, fans were kind of getting mad, because they're saying, well, they told him they had to work on his skill, he scored his first game, bring him back up now. Um, so it was kind of a shit show, and then what happened was I was, when I was playing in Elmira, I had a, I had so many connections, I was still living in Syracuse, and commuting back and forth to Elmira, and, they, they told me, they said, we don't want you anywhere near the city. So they ended up sending me to Fort Wayne, uh, Fort Wayne Comets, Indiana. So um, they were just basically trying to bury me. So I basically finished the season off in Fort Wayne. And, and uh, you know, the following year is when I decided to go to Russia. I ended up getting up and leaving, leaving to, to the KHL. So that was kind of my ending in American hockey. It was, you know, due to the fact that Anaheim didn't like, like what I was doing in the city and that the, the the recognition that I was getting, so uh, the one, the one bad blood I have against any hockey would be against Adam Ducks. Yeah, well, yeah, well, so there you go, well, Russia. Well, so you have uh, how? Well, at Nazarov's the coach, and uh, I mean, in that whole crazy scene in the, in the, what were you? What was your? What are your? Uh, what's your takeaway with, with Russia? What'd you? What'd you think when you got over there, and just the gameplay and the style and. Uh, what are your feelings on that? Uh, uh, Russia was there. I, I can't say anything bad about Russia. Russia was awesome. I mean, they treated me like gold. You know, I'm playing with one of my best friends, Jeremy, of launched the same team. Um, just, just everything was so cool about it. I mean, obviously a different style of game. I didn't really enjoy, you know, us being one of the only teams with tough guys, so you barely fought. Um, you more or less just bullied teams and kind of intimidated teams, so it wasn't, that, that side of it wasn't very good, but, you know, so there was, I think, Maybe four or five heavyweights in the entire league, and you know, I think Josh Grant was one of them. Chris Simon, 
there was a big uh, that on uh, that speed bow from was there. So yeah, there wasn't much guys there to fight. So basically, it was more of a place to go and make a big bait check and and I guess kind of weather down my career and and uh, and just kind of get ready for retirement. Yeah, well, you played. Uh two years over there and I know you you kind of told the story about the uh, the, the was it uh, flying in to fight Grattan oh yeah yeah that's uh, that you t- okay I know you, I've heard, I know you told it somewhere else but could you tell this can you tell that story again for the listeners <laughs> yeah definitely it's uh it's kind of funny because my wife had just had my first daughter Ava and I was actually I flew home for a week you know for the birth and stuff and and I flew back to Russia, you know, after my wife had the baby and was all set up. And I remember my wife for about three weeks there was calling and she was kind of struggling, you know, just being a first-time mother and, and uh, you know, just having a hard time. But it just so happened to be that on that Friday, we were playing Barisa Stana, who was the only other team that had tough guys, you know. So they had Josh Gratton and, you know, they, I think it was Josh was the only guy that they had, but, they, you know, they wanted someone there to fight Josh. But I still, you know, but it wasn't like we were short on staff for tough guys. We had Jeremy and we had Kip Brandon. And uh, so I remember going to the, to the owner and saying, listen, man, I said, you know, my wife's, my wife's struggling. Is there any way I can go and just try help her out for a week or two and, and then I'll come back? And, you know, he was really, actually really accepted it really well. And he said, yeah, you know what, we have, uh, we have, we have Jeremy and we have Kip here. So, yeah, we'll be okay. You can go ahead and fly home. So long story short is I flew home and I landed in, uh, in Syracuse, New York, and I got to spend 12 hours with my wife, and I turned on the TV on Sportsnet, and I seen that big brawl that uh, that uh, they had in Russia where, where Jeremy Oblonsky and Kip Brennan ended up getting suspended for the rest of the season, and so it was, you know, it was kind of like, oh shit, something just happened, you know. So sure enough, that night I get a phone call on Skype, and, you know, back then that's how we communicated for Russia with Skype. So if Jeremy is telling me today, answer your phone, and it's four o'clock my life throughout the day and four o'clock in the morning we're out in, in New York. And it's, it's like I think it's Wednesday and he's like, Answer your phone, uh, the, the boss is trying to get a hold of you. So sure enough, you know, about ten minutes later, uh, Sasha, the boss man's son, calls him because he's the one that speaks English. And he says, uh he says, um what did he say? Oh, I'm kinda of brain dead here, sorry. Uh, oh, he's like, hey, we need to back here for Friday. But you got to remember, Russia's 12 hours ahead of us, right? So it's already Thursday there when he's telling me this. And I'm like, gosh, I said, it's impossible. He goes, no, you need to be here. He says, we have nobody to play a bad and Grattan's going to come here and, and bully us. So I said, oh, he said, just do what you have to do and get here. He says, don't worry. Why not? will take care of you. He goes, just, just get here. Don't. But then anyways, I, so I, uh, you know, it's 4 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, which is actually 4 o'clock in the afternoon Thursday in, in, in Kazakhstan, or in, in Russia. So I'm on, the, I'm on the internet trying to find flights, but I couldn't find a flight out of Syracuse, so I found a flight out of Rochester. And Rochester is about an hour from Syracuse, so I found a flight, but the only thing was, it was first class, and it was about $15,000, and I was like, I'm not going to pay that. So I told Tasha, if that's the dish pay it, we'll reimburse you. So I ended up buying a flight at 4 o'clock in the morning and flying out of Rochester at 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, and I had to fly from Rochester to, to New York City. And then from New York City, I flew to Poland, uh, Warsaw, Poland. But what happened was when I was flying across the Atlantic Ocean, I was late. So I got to Warsaw late. I missed my connecting flight from Warsaw to get to uh, Moscow. So, I, so I, I, 
I ended up delaying my flight, so I called Sash. I said, I'm not going to make it, man. He said, you have to see if, they'll, see if they can make a, a, you know, a connection for you. So I ended up flying from Warsaw, Poland, to uh, St. Petersburg, Moscow. And then from St. Petersburg, I had to fly to, to, to Moscow. So then I, when I was in St. Petersburg, I called, uh, I remember calling Sasha. I said, Sasha, I'm not going to land in Moscow until about 5.15, man. And you got to remember, they, you know, Friday afternoon in Moscow, I was like, they're going to with the traffic, right? So yep. I was like, don't worry, just get, get there and we'll have someone wait for you. He said, leave your check baggage. We'll have somebody waiting outside. So sure enough, I land, I land in Moscow and I run outside and it's, there's a limousine with two cop cars in the front and the back of this limousine. And I'm like, holy fuck. So anyways, long story short, is these cops escorted me through the city and they got me to, uh, to the arena in, in, in Vitas and Chekhov about, the guys were already on, on the ice for warm-ups. So I run inside and I'm like, but there's a rule in Russia that you have to dress in the warm-ups in order to play in the game. So I dress up as fast as I can. I remember I puke. You got to remember, I've been up for 24 hours now. So I puke all over the garbage, and I'm like, so I step on the ice. I remember I did a standing ovation, you know, because people knew that I had to fly in the States. And uh, so as soon as the as soon as the uh, the warm-up's over, I come back inside. I had only one of the warm-ups for about two minutes. I come back in the dressing room, and I fucking fainted. I was so, I don't know if it was the adrenaline or just the, I was so exhausted. And then I remember... Uh, Nazarov and, and it was, um, uh, Alexei Zamnov, the GM, called me to the office. They said, well, you know what we brought you here for? You want to get it done right away? And I said, yeah, first shift. So sure enough, you know, Grant gets put on the ice. I get put on the ice, and I said, okay, let's go, Grant. And he wouldn't fight me. Fuck. So he kept saying no. But anyways, I kept trusting him, and fuck. So he ended up throwing his stuff off and kind of dumping me. But uh, long story short, we had a pretty good fight, and, and uh, you know, I think I got it pretty good. I, I played him up and, and, and uh, you know, went off. And I remember we served our five minutes. And I came back off the ice and sat in the bench. I looked at Nazarov and I said, well, he may as well let me go again because I don't want to play hockey. So then the second time I ended up fighting I fucking put, I remember putting both his eyes, you know, pretty shut closed. And uh, uh, so then after the game, you know, I remember everyone's pumped because I beat up Grattan pretty good. And, uh, so then I ended up partying with the owner for like three days, and then they flew me back all the way back to uh, back to New York for like a week with my wife, fully paid for, paid for my, they reimbursed me for my flight, and then they ended up giving me like a, I think it was like a thirty-five thousand uh, dollars bonus for that one, for that that those two fights for about ten minutes, and then uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty pretty well worth it. Was but, it uh, yeah, that's kind of a it's kind of a funny story because people probably don't know the background to it that I. That I actually flew for 24 hours to get there for that game, and I barely missed it. Just about missed it. Yeah, 35 grand for a couple tilts with Grat, and there you go. Yeah, the. Uh, well, so after you you finish up in Russia, at that point, were you pretty well resigned with like you're done, or did uh, did you always have in mind that you're going to go back to the Quebec League? No, no. I mean, I, and, no. I was basically pretty much done. You know, I, at this time in my career, I was already focusing on bringing a Tim Hortons to my hometown. Yeah. So it was already in the process. I was, I was basically kind of just waiting for that phone call. So I uh, came back to my hometown, and I actually got a job working with youth here in, in Little Lake. And, and uh, you know, but I was, like I said, I was just trying to kill time. So I ended up getting a call from Quebec, you know, to go play there. But I said, you know, there's no way. I had already bought a nice big house and 
was living the life, and you know, my kids were in school in Metal Lake, so we worked out a deal where I would just fly out every second weekend, and I actually would have to leave my house at about 3 o'clock in the morning, drive three hours to the city, get on a plane, and then fly to uh, Montreal, get picked up in Montreal, and drive another hour and a half to Sorrel, and then play Friday, Saturday, and then fly on Sunday. But, uh, you know, it was pretty straight gas, so it was pretty, pretty well worth it. You know, I was, was uh, playing, you know, two weekends out of the month, you know, flying to Montreal, but I was, I, I was, I was, I was really, really well compensated, so it made it well worth it. Um, but uh, it was pretty hard on the body, you know, being able to travel and, and not and turn on that, that light switch. So you know, now that I was living a family life back home, it, was, it wasn't as easy to go out and, and fight every night because, you know, you're here working with kids and, you know, spending time with my family and, and then having to go there and, 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 and fight was kind of uh, a big thing. Yeah, at the... Uh... Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I'll just, you know, you played the 14 games, but I mean, you certainly didn't slow down in terms of who you were fighting. And, uh, one of the names I wanted to throw at you was, uh, Gabby Roach. Yeah, Gabby. I mean, I don't know much on Gabby, but he sure was a tough kid. You know, like, yeah. I think he ended his career a little bit early. Um, I think he had some head problems or concussion problems. But you know what? First and foremost, we all have families out there stuff. So hockey's just a game and then fun, right? So you don't. If he felt that it was time for him to retire, and, and I mean, that's, I, I completely respect that. And, but yeah, I mean, I think I fought him a couple of times, and he definitely was a tough kid. I don't, I don't think he has as much of a fight part as I have or some of the bigger name guys, but he definitely was a tough kid and, and uh, did well for himself the years that I've seen him there. Well, another guy that you uh, you fought a few times there, he's a big kid, was Alex Penner. Yeah, another, another tough kid, you know, and... Uh, like I said, he's just one of those guys that had a good, a good style and, and, and did well for himself. And um, I don't know if their careers were as long as they, they went, but uh, definitely tough guys that know about. I mean, it's so hard to disrespect guys that fight. I mean, everyone that fights, it takes balls, right? I mean, absolutely. One of the biggest, one of the biggest tricks that I had was when someone asked me to fight, I would just drop my gloves because if I stopped and think about it. And, I might not do it, right? So, um, <laughs> like I said, I have every, every guy that I've fought or that's even fought, and I think I give them my respect because it, it, it's a tough job. I, in fact, I think that fighting in hockey was probably one of the toughest jobs in pro sports because, you know, you, you lose sleep about it, you know. Yeah. You, you, you got lots of people wanting you to lose, you know, especially when you, I found that the older I got and the more popular I got, you know, there's always a lot of people that want to see you lose, right? Yeah. So, you always have that pressure. I mean, I, I used to hate, you know, I wasn't, it, I was more scared of losing than I was scared of fighting because, you know, there's so much on the line, especially when you become really popular. And, you know, nowadays you don't really worry about it. But back then, you know, you always have young guys coming up to, to want to make a reputation. So um, that's what's different about hockey now. You can go out there. I don't think anyone's going to really challenge you because there's no one up there that really wants to challenge you. But, you know, back then, it, just, it, it was really stressful, you know. I just don't lose sleep before games. You know, especially you're fighting guys like Steve McIntyre or Steve Bossy or even Ebolowski. You know, you knew you were going to have a, a, a pretty hard battle that night. And, you know, I think I spent more time worrying about the fights than the fight itself because, you know, after the fight, I'm like, oh, that's not so bad. Why did I spend the last 48 hours crying about it or, you know, worrying about it? So, um, and I don't think, you know, that's that's why you see a lot of stress on these stuff guys nowadays. Is it's, it, it was a stressful, it was a stressful thing to do, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, just, but I would never change the training that I did. I, I love what I did. I, I'll do it again if I could. 
Well, no, and yeah, like you said, nothing but respect for all these guys, and uh, and I've always told everybody, I mean, on this show, this is why I do the show, this is why I have you guys on, is, you know, I mean, you know, is to, uh, you know, put the spotlight on you guys and get your stories, and because and, I, I think a lot of times, like you said, with the Enforcer, and, uh, you know, it's it, they're, you guys are kind of, you know, oh, they like to say, oh, it's hockey's dark time, let's not talk about that, and kind of put you guys in a closet or something, and it's like, no, I was, that's why I wanted to do this show, and I wanted to highlight you guys and get you guys on and tell your stories, and, uh, and, uh, but, no, go ahead. I ain't got no bullshit, I ain't got no bullshit, you know, with all these, these tragedies that happen, like the suicides and all that, you know, don't get me wrong, I don't think getting hit in the head for a living, it, it's good for you, but at the same time, I don't, a lot of these guys that, that had these tragedies, I think there was, there was things that were stemming earlier in their careers or, you know, with addictions, with, with, you know, drugs and alcohol, um, you know, not, I mean, I, I experienced, I went through a little bit of a depression there, you know, going from being a pretty much a rock star, you know, making tons of money, having everything set up for you, your flights, your meals, you know, you had no worry in the world, and then all of a sudden you come to reality, and you're like, holy shit, i got to work a real job from, you know, 8 to 5 now, and, you know, my paychecks are, you know, 10% of what they used to be, um, you know, it's, it, it's a shock, you know, it's, it's these guys that, that do that, so, um, you know, you mix that with drugs and alcohol or any kind of addictions, um, you know, things, you know, bad things can happen, and, and uh, so I, I still believe that, that, you know, I don't think the fighting is, is, is what's caused that. I think you have to look deeper into having, you know, preparing these guys for life after hockey or especially when their careers are winding down because, uh, you know, a lot of us, we grew up playing hockey from the age of four, and, I mean, it's all we did was eat, breathe, and live hockey. So, you know, when that comes to an end and, and, and just being away from the boys in the dressing room, and I mean, you know, some of my best times weren't the actual hockey games. It was being on the road with the boys and, and you know, you know, being a family and, and, and bonding together. And, and when that's all taken away from you towards the end of your career, it's like, well, well, what the fuck do I do now? It's, you know, you lose yep. your identity, basically, you know? Yep. So, you know, I'm a big advocate for, for, for trying to promote guys, you know, for, for getting them prepared for life after hockey. And, you know, I still talk to a lot of guys that are playing the game, and, and that's my biggest advice to those guys is to, to prepare yourself because it, when it comes, it comes, and it comes hard. Like, you know, you, you lose your purpose and, and you know you got to find another another meaning for, for what you're going to do and, and um, so yeah I mean it's such a hot topic right now you always got guys going to back the fighting and, you know, and and everything I say is all the guys that I know that were fighters I mean they were probably the best men in the community like all the guys you know Sean McMorrow for example look how much he does for, for his fans and, and stuff you know and yep. all, all our guys are they were men in the community, you know, like, I know Bennett Cop and I, you know, we started Big Brothers programs in New York where we would work with, you know, lower privileged kids, and we're always giving back to the community and, and, and trying to help out and being good for the, you know, being good role models, so I kind of get upset when you hear guys bashing guys or calling goons or, you know, because most of these guys are actually some of the most educated guys out there, you know, look at guys like George Barrows, I mean, the guy went to Harvard or Princeton, and, you know, you know Kevin Westcart, those are all all the guys that are really educated, but they're smart doing. So you can't just say these guys are goons and, you know, and trust me, we have skill. You know, there's one guy, you know, some one of these writers that's always putting guys down and, you know, but do they realize that it takes skill to do what we did? And, and uh, you know, so I, I, I'm kind of going to be defensive for the top guy to play. So, um, but, you know, you look at guys, UFC is still fighting. Those guys are getting hit in the headlocks and, you know, boxing and, and all these other things. So I don't know why, why, 
No, exactly, and uh, and like I say, and that's why you know I want I want to start this show and and the Twitter account and really get the get the word out there and, and like I said, have you guys uh, share your story. But uh, John, I know I've kept you a long time, and I know you got stuff going on. But uh, so I will. Uh, I'll just ask you a couple more questions, and we'll get you going. Um, when you came back to the Quebec League uh, for that last that last run there, the last couple of years, what what were the differences from the last time you were there in the in the oh five oh six? It's getting water. It was watered down. I think that oh five oh six year. I mean, there was guys like twelve there, you know, Steve Boss, eighteen there. I mean, the list goes on. And, oh yeah. So I never talked. You know, he was watching. You hear guys talking. I was like, oh, the, the guys in the Quebec League are as tough as the guys in the AHL, the NHL. And or or or, the, or or the vice versa, they'll say the Quebec League is the toughest league in the world. And I think the Quebec League offered a lot of quantity, but not quality. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's there's all the elite guys in Quebec are just as tough as the guys in the American League or even the NHL. But there was a lot more guys that in Quebec that weren't that tough and were just there to fight. Were just brought in. You know, guys like Brandon Christian. I mean, that guy, he was a slob. You know, <laughs> I'm not one. I'm not one for putting guys down. But that was one guy I didn't care for. And, you know, they're just guys that couldn't skate or couldn't stand, and they, they couldn't fight, and, but they were just there to, to basically take a guy out. And, um, you know, but then on, on defense of the LNH, I mean, there were some good hockey players, especially that first year when the, there was the lockout. I mean, yep. there was a lot of NHL, AHL guys that were there that were even good players. So, you know, just a lot older and stuff, you know. I still think you took one of the top teams in the Quebec League and you, you play against an East Coast team. I think that that Quebec team would probably win because you got a lot of guys that played in the American League and the East Coast, and you got a lot of tougher guys in the team. They're just older and, you know, maybe not as young and as, as fast anymore. But, I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it's, it's an argument, but you'll never really know what the true answer is. No, but absolutely, and I mean, you know, and that's the thing, exactly, but that's kind of the stigma of the Quebec League, right, everybody, you know, they go on YouTube and they see all the crazy brawls and all that, and, you know, they're going into the crowd and all the nut stuff, but, uh, you know, and the circus aspect of it, but when it was time to play, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, well, there, well, there we go, man, I mean, that was the the, the big journey through uh, John Morasti's career, and I mean... <laughs> Like I said, you fought everybody and stuff. So, but right now, what uh, what's what, what are you up to these days? Uh, not much. I'm doing a lot of work. You know, like I, I obviously got a farm here, and I got I got a young boy playing hockey down in California. He's playing the WNHL, and he's 16 years old, so he's doing good. You know, I'm involved with uh, my First Nation. I'm part of leadership now, and 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 trying to help out with them and, and do it. Pretty much just pass on. You know, I was fortunate enough to travel the world and see a lot of things. So, you know. We have a lot of uh, struggles here on our on our reserve, so I'm trying to help the youth move forward and and uh, you know reach out and see that there's a big world out there and to you know set goals and try to achieve those goals because uh, you know I think I think that they're our future and I want to help them out now too. So I got a new passion now is trying to help help uh, my first nation people, um, you know, to bigger and better things and at the same time you know build a better relationship between uh, you know the town of Metal Lake and Flying Dust. So it's, it's going good and I'm enjoying it and uh, just. Loving, loving life now. It's, it's life after office treating me well. Excellent. That's great to hear. And uh, and I know talking to you last night, you're you still put the you still put the skates on. You're playing senior hockey out there, aren't you? Yeah, I'm actually playing the first year. I'm playing my home my hometown here, the, the Metal Lake Broncos. They're called. They play in a, a senior double eighteen year. And uh, um, yeah, I played four games so far. I think I think we're in first place right now. And we we lost one game in overtime, but. 
Um, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm getting to play with, you know, in front of friends and family. And so at least I'm not having to fight every game and, and just play hockey and, and score some goals and, and just enjoying it. it. It's really special because I get to have my, you know, my younger kids watching me play because they don't know what I did as a career. And, and so, you know, my little daughter, he was seven years old now, and, and she gets to come skate with us in warm-ups and, and single Canada, so she just loves it. And, so, you know, that's what it's all about now is my family. And, and like I said, my, even my, my grandparents and, you know, my uncles and aunts and all my cousins, you know, I've played so far away over the years that none of them will not really watch, watch me play hockey. So I, I love being able to play in front of my, my friends and family now and, and even just the people in Metal Lake. You know, we, we have a lot of good hockey players that come from Metal Lake and, and we're all coming together to play together now. You know, guys like T.K. King and, and uh, Mike Siklinka, you know, the list goes on guys that have played for hockey from Metal Lake. No, that's excellent. And well, anybody out there? Did any of the young kids want a shot at the title? You still are you getting called out in a little bit? You get a little itchy? Not at all. Not at all. Hockey. I, I can't even play mean because you know a lot of the guys that I'm playing against are saying, "Oh, I, it's an honor to play against you. I watched all your fights." So yeah, you know, it's more just for fun and, and trying. You know, there's a, there's a few guys that are trying to get dirty, get told tell them not to do that, but. I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to fight now. If don't get me wrong, I like to fight the hockey, but I'd rather let one of these young guys fight. It's my turn to watch the fight. So I'm gonna have to be the guy fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there we go. Well, that's great to hear that you're doing well, and uh, and like I said, the uh, few times I, I ran into you in person, we talked. You're always uh, always a class act. We had a good time, and uh, this was a great interview, man. I, I I appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit down and talk with me. Well, maybe next time we'll have to get a few of the boys together and talk together. That'll be that'd be fun. I get bullshit more with Dino. Well, I was going to say, I always say that, I've said this a bunch of times, but yeah, I think uh, get a, maybe get a round table, get you and uh, Mayrad and maybe uh, Brad Lambert or something, or, or Renard on here. You could get you guys telling stories from Quebec. Yeah, I did. I said, let's do that. Let's keep the talking. Let's get some of the guys going. I'd love to do that. It's been an honor to talk to you guys, and, and thank you very much. Absolutely. All right, John. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you very, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, bro. Take it easy. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 